When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, these may not be the end days, but they'll certainly do until the end days get here. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Oh yeah, live and direct right now on the TuneIn radio app. Search end of days and you'll find the 24-7 network. My guest this evening is Marshall Masters. Marshall is a former CNN Science Features News producer, freelance writer, television analyst, and publisher of YaoUSA.com. Since 1999, he has been researching Earth changes and Nubiru flyby-related topics, including sustainable survival communities, catastrophic crop circles, impact events, and future technologies. Once again, thank you for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Greetings, boys and girls. Welcome back to another special edition of the Michael Deacon program. In a moment, I'll be talking about Planet X and Earth changes. We have seen many this year, and some predict we are at a tipping point. We are reaching the point of no return. Are these the signs that Planet X is approaching? We'll find out right now. Let's bring in Marshall. Marshall, is hey, that you? Pizza. Oh, my goodness, Marshall. You scared the hell out of me. <laughs> i got to have a little fun, can't I? Of course, of course. And it's always an honor and pleasure to speak to you here on the program. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Um, it's good to be back on. We always have a good time. We really do. We really do. And, of course, you are welcome to phone calls, right? Yeah. All right. Well, if there is anyone out there that has a question for you later on in the program or during the program, uh, please feel free to call in that number 760-332-8724. One more time, 760-332-8724. Don't be afraid. Neither me or Marshall bite. Too hard. So, so Marshall, how are you? It's almost like, um, it's almost like clockwork. Every time we talk, there's a new tragedy on television, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, you're talking about Hawaii? Well, Hawaii and the shooting that just took place. Yeah, that, that was terrible down in Texas. And these, these shootings are, this is awful. Um, my heart really goes out to these people. My gosh, you know, you think about it and whoever gets up in the morning saying, okay, yeah, this is the day I die. 
And that, and that, the blue. And that school of all places. Yeah. Who gets dressed and thinks, well, you know, I'm going to get shot today at school. That's right. That's right. And I don't know what the story's going to be. Uh, the first thing that I saw, I don't know if it's still in the headlines, was the guy was uh, ranting about Trump. And I didn't see I, that. Whoa. Yeah, that okay. was originally reported. And then all of a sudden it got buried. And I think the reason why it got buried is that we have all of this horrific acrimony in the media right now. I don't care what your political views are, but from what we're seeing here is clearly this guy was provoked and needs to make us think about what's really happening. And for me, it's, um, I look at this and I'm just wondering, is this what it looks like before we wind up having a second civil war in the country? Because it's really getting this ugly right now. And that's a concern. We're going into very difficult times. They're going to be much more difficult coming on. Right now in Hawaii, we had the eruption of the volcano, ash plumes at 30,000 feet. That's serious, uh, particularly the type of eruption that's happening there. And to put this in perspective, the uh, this was just recently announced in Arizona. And it came out of a paper, the Tucson.com, where they're going to do an exercise based on a post-quake exodus from California. Now, this is really interesting for me because years ago, I wrote an article predicting something exactly like this. What they're saying is that they're going to set up a drill for dealing with a flood of refugees coming out of Southern California in 400,000 people. I think that's an understatement. I think it would be much more than that. And it's a real concern when you look at the population of the states that border California, particularly Nevada and Arizona. It wouldn't take much for these states to be completely swamped. And in my article that I wrote about it in Exodus, I could see them, particularly in the Nevada area, I mean, with Arizona, wow, you got Highway 10 just barrels right in and it's flat. But with Nevada, it's a different thing. Access is not that easy. I could see in Nevada where their response would be to blow the overpasses and not let them flood in because if they do, there's not enough water, there's not enough food, there's not enough anything. And most of Nevada is like a moonscape. So these are serious things, but in all of the years I have been talking about preparedness and everything else, I have never seen anything like this. And keep in mind, up here, I am involved with CERT and with ARIES as a volunteer. CERT is Community Emergency Response Team. This is operated a program that is with Washoe County up here in Reno and FEMA, and then I'm also with ARIES, Amateur Radio Emergency Services. This is Homeland Security and ARRL in conjunction with uh, the Washoe County Sheriff. So I look at this and I can see where there's concern. It would raise eyebrows here. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people looking at it and uh, 
They're going to want to see how they deal with it. But I think a good way to, to look at it is during World War II, Operation Barbarossa, the Nazi invasion of Russia, this, uh, Luft, excuse me, a Wehrmacht officer wrote home and he said, we are the elephants and the Russians are the ants. And with every step, we can crush thousands of ants. But there's so many ants, they're inevitably going to overwhelm us and eat us to death. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly how it ended. So this is something that people living on the coast are going to have to deal with. I see over the years that the greatest resistance to awareness about what is happening to our planet, Earth changes, the things I write about and talk about, the heaviest resistance is on the coastline. That's where all the heaviest disinformation Correct. Yes. made. You know, in the intro, Marshall, I, I did say we have seen many Earth changes uh, even this year. Some predict we are at a tipping point in human civilization. Um, oh, we are. We, we are. I mean, yeah. there's a couple of things. I've been doing my science articles. Right. And I track everything. And been doing this for a few years now. We're tracking two data sets, earthquakes of all magnitude and fireballs. Now, everybody thinks that the Mayan calendar, December 21, 2012, was nonsense. It was a non-event. If you took it seriously, you were stupid. You get humiliated. Nobody wants to talk about it. Well, the thing about prophecy is good prophecies, valuable prophecies, always come with a harbinger. The harbinger is an event that it's a nonviolent event, and it is something profound enough that you know you are on the timeline of the prophetic event. And when the prophetic event hits, bada boom, bada bing, bada bang, you won't take it. Well, the thing about December 21, 2012, is people have to understand the ancients had actually better calendars than we do today. They used lunar calendars. Our calendar is a political mishmash. It's the reason why holidays never fall on the same day. And, but that's the Gregorian calendar. That's what we have. Well, they were really good and they tracked the stars. They looked up at night. They didn't have 4K and HD and <laughs> right. and an HBO. That's all they, they had. had. Sky. That's all they had. And their viewing sky was amazing. And on the other hand, we have chemtrails, pollution. We wouldn't know what a really nice viewing sky looks like if it up and bit us in the tuchus. By, by the way, speaking of chemtrails, I'm sorry to cut you off, but some people don't even believe that chemtrails exist. And I, I tend to believe that they do. We already know that they already do plenty of cloud seeding, so we know that they could manipulate the weather. Um, what makes you think they're not spraying something else? Oh, that we're not they're aware spraying of. a witch's brew of, first off, it's, if somebody says it doesn't exist, then I know two things about them. One, they don't look up at the sky anymore. And two is that they're, they let other people do their thinking for them. And that's the reason why it gets away. I mean, I remember one time I was walking through a parking lot and there was a jet. There's a squadron of jets that hit our area. And you can always tell when they're up there, tic-tac-toe patterns that stretch 
from horizon, you know, to horizon, and they stay up there for the longest time. We also have some military training, so we see those going up, and those are what we call pure jet engine aircraft. And so, yes, there's a contrail, and the contrails are relatively short, and they dissipate. Whereas if you look up and their chemtrail spring, what happens is that you will see what I call the dingo ball effect. They're spraying very heavy substance. It comes out of the back of the jet, and you see like little dingo balls, like little balls hanging uh, by a thread. And then these little balls, these are the aerosol balls of uh, the chemical that they're spraying. That comes down, and then that dissipates. And so you don't see like a contrail, which is going to dissipate like steam coming out of a tea kettle. This is something that is going to be very, very long and very, very persistent. And you also see them in patterns. You see them when they're spraying. It looks like a tiptoe pattern. Uh, but people don't want to see what is up there. They really don't. I remember one time, one of the jets that was spraying Typically, they spray at about 20,000 feet. Now, I've had professional pilots. One in particular, he flew Boeing 777s for a major carrier. Yes. And, and Marshall, just to backtrack just a little bit here, we, we jumped in here um, head first. I thought, okay. we, I thought we could hit the rewind button just for a moment here and uh, tell the audience just uh, briefly about you. And I understand, Marshall, that you did have some Russian collusion back in the 90s yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You like that? Uh, the um, I had a travel business. This is back when uh, right after um, the Cold War was over, the Soviet Union collapsed, and our State Department was really embracing Russia at that time. and. You know, the message was going out. Young men, go to Russia, do business, establish ties, whatever. Well, I was impressed by that, but I was really more interested in an adventure. And uh, in my travel business, I dealt with independent travelers, custom groups. I didn't do the, the tour bus stuff. And I would fly over in December and come back in January each year on Aeroflot. And I would take the polar route over the Arctic cap. Now, the first time I did it, now when I went over during, on the trip over, it was always at night, so I couldn't see anything. But the trip back was always during the day. And in January of 2003 was the first time I saw the Arctic. And I was in an Aleutian Eel 62. And that, by the way, was a wonderful airplane to fly in as a passenger. Very, very comfortable. And I was looking out the window and completely mesmerized. The Arctic was this beautiful, fluffy snow as far as the eye could see in every direction. I could see the curve of the earth. And for those who have flat earth theory, the earth's not flat. I don't want, don't, don't bother me with this. You know, the windows are designed to do that. If the Russians were in the middle of the Cold War, part of your conspiracy, Show me some proof. Like I was flying on a Russian jet, and I could see the curve of the earth. Thank you. And 
it was an amazing thing. I saw blue ice, and that's very, very old ice. But over the years, as I was traveling through the 90s, I saw a steady deterioration of the Arctic. And what was once this beautiful, breathtaking scenery that I was just mesmerized for hours looking at it as it passed beneath us. My last trip, there was, and for each, each, each of the, each ones, uh, my last trip over, my last return trip was in, um, uh, 1997, and when I saw it, the Arctic looked like busted windshield of a wrecked car in a junkyard. Yeah. It was just totally disheartening, and you have a moment of clarity, and I think this is important because it took me several years of seeing this with my own two eyes flying on Aeroflot over the pole. You went with Western carriers. You had to go through Europe, and... When we use terms like sheeple to disparage folks that are not in awareness, I, I don't think that's right. Uh, it took time for me to finally look at this. And on that last trip, I, I was looking at this and I was, I was heartbroken to see what I was seeing. And this was still a time when people were throwing around the term tree huggers. Oh, yeah. Okay. I recall. But I looked at that and I'm going to tell you. I just said, I will believe my lying eyes. I'm not going to let some energy company spinmeister tell me otherwise. And that means you're marching to the beat of a different drummer. That's a hard thing for most everybody. All right. So I understand what the problem is there, but I was completely consumed with this. I needed to see it because I had watched our planet changing in ways that were not good. Yes. Clearly mm -hmm. not good. And I uh, got involved with a group of uh, a small team. We were, three of us were Mensa. And we started looking at global warming as an issue. And that was what brought me to Planet X, because we were trying to find a causality. What we determined was that Pollution from human man-made causes is certainly not helping us and exacerbating a difficult problem. But the principal driver, the principal causality is our sun. And the sun is going through a period of increased luminance. It's brighter. It's not, don't, let's not get confused with sunspot activity, solar maximum, solar minimum, luminance brightness. You're right. Yeah. I've heard other people mention that the sun is getting brighter. That's right. Now, the point of the lumina, this this increased brightness, is that it is light is carrying radiation. The radiation has come through. It's not only uh, this is just not affecting the atmosphere. Uh, the Earth has four spheres. Oh, yes. And, and I'm so it, glad you mentioned that. Before I let you continue, I freak out every time I read studies about Earth's uh, magnetic field getting weaker. Actually, there is uh, recently there was a um, uh, article. It was in ScienceAlert.com. This is a mainstream site. 
says, scientists say Earth's magnetic field isn't about to flip, but it's definitely doing something weird. You know, that the title is somewhat of an oxymoron, but yeah. I, I digress. Right. Anytime I read anything about solar radiation, you know, I, I worry. Well, the solar radiation is important. It is our magnetosphere is weakening. And if we have a flip where the North Pole becomes the South Pole and the South Pole becomes the North Pole, that is going to present an awful lot of problems for us. Now, that process is already beginning. Uh, what they have determined with this is that a magnetic pole shift, which is not the same thing as a crustal pole shift or an axial, axial pole shift, but this kind of pole shift always begins in the southern Atlantic. And we tracked this several years ago when this really came up because there are zones where the polarity starts flipping in the southern Atlantic. Now, this actually caused a couple of commercial airliners that were on fly-by-wire technology to crash. And this period of flipping in the South Atlantic was so substantial that the Russian Air Force blocked all flights in the area for Russians, period. And things change over time. So we have this happening. We have that's going on. Meanwhile, we're having all of the solar radiation that's coming in. Now, for the people who, you know, that they say chem, they say chemtrails is nonsense and it doesn't exist, then they're the same kind of people that in said Hitler was a man you could do business with and we'd have peace in our time, all right? They're not thinking ahead. Uh, I was, I remember one time I was walking through a parking lot, this was just a couple of years ago, and one of the chemtrail jets was flying so low over where we were at, I could read the tail numbers, all right? And it was spraying, coming out big, thick clumps and balls from as far as I could see, trailing it. They must have been dumping or emptying the tanks or whatever they were doing. And I was looking at that. There was this woman walking her dog, and I just said, hey, look up at that jet. Look what they're spraying. She didn't look up. She looked at me like I had three eyes in my head and spun around on her heels, picked up her little dog, and ran terrified away. Now, how do you get people to look at the evidence about chemtrail spraying if they won't look up. That's true. All right. So that's just what people do. And they don't want to look up and they don't want to acknowledge it. And the last thing they want to do is actually look at the science, factual evidence, the reports, because they know it's not a happy story and they want a happy narrative. They don't want to know what's really happening. Now, chemtrail spraying is, re is dealing with this solar luminance. They are reflecting specifically the principal goal. They do many things with chemtrailing, and they have used it. Uh, I documented how they used it to spray areas with, uh, uh, we call it the chemtrail flu. And I actually contracted it. It's horrible. You can't treat it with antibiotics or anything that the doctors know about. Thankfully, I had a holistic physician that helped me with it, and I got over it without winding up in the hospital. Yeah, and by the way, but, when did you hmm? realize you were sick, Marshall? Did you wake up feeling um, 
like you couldn't swallow, you couldn't talk. What, what, what were you going through? Oh, it's, um, the symptoms. Yeah. What were the symptoms? Really constriction in the throat, uh, difficult to breathe. Uh, during the early Saturday, I couldn't lay down. Um, I slept sitting in my, uh, my chair. I slept in a chair. If I laid down, I'd have a difficult time breathing. Um, the way I dealt with it was, uh, you get a nebulizer and you use a 50-50 mix of colloidal silver and distilled water and you nebulize four times a day. And what that does is the colloidal silver goes down in there. And it took out whatever was in the chemtrails. But what I did was I went, I wanted to see what was really happening. I wanted proof of it. So I went to the CDC site and then I could see. You look at the CDC will track all of the reports that come in on flus. You see a normal organic pattern jumping up and down, scratching up and down. It kind of looks like uh, a seismograph. All right. Uh Uh-uh. When they were doing the spraying, and this was this story was broken, and I, somebody else broke the story. I, I mean, I can't recall his name now, um, but you could see where it just went straight up and then dropped when they stopped, you know, the chemtrail spray. Yeah, and Marshall, by the so, way, I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm glad you are feeling a lot better. Um, it reminds me of John Lear, who is very ill right now, who has been sleeping on his chair. So I feel I, I I could feel for you, my friend. Thank you. It was it was a tough time, you know. It was like you're wondering when do I wind up in an emergency room, and I had heard so much that people were going into emergency rooms and the doctors were treating them with uh, in a way that they normally would with flu and so forth, and all it was doing was making, in some cases, making it even worse. Uh, that was a real problem. So I was very, very fortunate that I, re, you know, had someone who could give me a way to deal with it. And that's what I did. Uh, I've also been, uh, the other time it was twice, uh, I was affected. That was one. The other time was, uh, I was in Montana and, uh, this is an article. I posted this on Yowza about when they do the chemtrail spraying, they like to chemtrail over Yellowstone because Yellowstone uh, has uh, an ionic swirl coming up. So if they spray over Yellowstone, it'll take it way up, way, way up, at the, high up in, you know, to the top of the atmosphere. And then it spreads out from there for a thousand miles. And I was uh, at Yellowstone. I knew something was odd because I'm walking around and uh, when we were at other places, like uh, we went to see uh, the president's Mount Rushmore. They weren't spraying there. It had absolutely beautiful sky. People were happy, chirpy, talking, moving around. But at Yellowstone, they were walking like robots that were running low on energy. And... People just were not chirpy. They weren't talking. Everybody, you could just feel it. The spray was so thick and heavy. And if you went to look at one of the uh, hot springs, and I did, and what happened was uh, the sulfur from the hot spring, and they started, they were adding sulfur to the chemtrail mix, and it met at that layer at ground level. And it actually 
injured my lungs, damaged my lungs. Yeah, I've heard for a long time of the so-called chemtrail cough, which I I guess it's an actual thing. That sounds like what you're oh, describing. Yeah. Oh, the chemtrail thing is really awful. Again, I was very fortunate that I had uh, the excellent help of some wonderful people. And the way I recovered from that, because when I came back from there, I've always had good lungs. Uh, I wound up, had to go to the doctor, and he put me on all the inhalers, rescue inhalers, and that was it. Uh, it was terrible. Uh, it sounds I, terrible, yes. Oh, it, it's it really, really bad. Uh, the way I dealt with it, the way I cured myself was a mix of uh, a colloidal zinc and another uh, colloidal mineral. What it does is uh, it goes in and surrounds the alveoli and the lungs and then draws the blood in, and you heal. And so uh, it was very effective for me. I was actually, I had a full recovery. I didn't tell the doctor why I didn't need my inhalers anymore, my rescue inhaler. He was really kind of stunned. I was like, you know, and I just said, well, I moved to another part of town, better yeah. air, and took care of it. I'm sure he was wondering what you did. I didn't tell him I was recovering from chemtrail poisoning uh, because then they're, you know, what are they going to do? Oh, my God, you're stupid, you're crazy, or whatever. Yeah, but well, the fact that yeah. I healed myself. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they'll think you're wearing a tinfoil hat. Yeah, that's right. So I'd rather have a tinfoil hat and be healthy than uh, – you know, walk around being a yutz for them. Correct, and, correct, yes. And we already know that anything that's being sprayed, there's all sorts of different toxins in it. Um, what I'm curious to know, and this is kind of conspiratorial, what if it's true that the use of chemtrails as a weapon of war is real, is a reality? What if? Well, it, chemtrails could be used that way, but keep in mind, chemtrails, I have reports from people all around the world. I have reports from people who actually work in for the airlines, and they have seen these jets being loaded up with the chemicals. They don't like it. I talk to pilots who see them spraying, and what people do not understand about these jets that spray is that they're on their own air traffic control system. Uh, military has their own ATC. Civilians, the FAA has an ATC, but and and both of, they all use transponders, so you can see who else is out there. You're flying as a pilot. Transponders just simply sending out an identifier. Here I am. Well, the jets that are doing the chemtrail spraying have transponders, but they do not squawk, as pilots call it, on any known frequency, military or civilian. So they are completely on their own. Now, this was verified for me by a pilot flying a 777. He had, you know, got software, set it all up. Uh, the avionics bay of a 777 is an amazing place. It's like a great computer in the sky. And he was able to hook into that and verify that this is, in fact, what was happening that these jets that were doing all this spring are on their own air traffic control system. And he was so angry about it. And uh, I can't mention his name or whatever. I don't want to create any grief. That's just, okay, yes. You know, pilots do not talk about chemtrails for the same reason they don't report UFOs. They want to keep their jobs. All right. Oftentimes we, we hear that, yes. And 
Uh, you have people that are ridiculously naive that go, well, why aren't the pilots coming forth and doing it? Well, because the pilots, you know, they got families to feed, mortgages to pay, and that's the way it is. That's how things operate. Um, now, why is it that they're doing the chemtrail spring? A lot of people really, this is the thing that gets them, I, you hear like Dane Wigington, who's really out there raising the flags of discontent. Lots to of, him, it's yeah, completely lot, insane. Lots of speculation. Lots of speculation. Do you want to know why? You want to know the real reason why they're spraying? Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. Okay. They're spraying because it doesn't make a damn bit of difference today. Not a bad, not a damn bit of difference. You see, they know what's coming. The reason why solar luminance is picking up, the reason why we're having our magnetosphere is being affected, that we're going to have a flip. All of this is reactions to a large object coming into the system, namely the Planet X system. And the elites, they're already well situated with how they're going to deal with this. They've got their deep underground bases. And when the time comes, we're going to know when we see corporate jets littering the tarmac at Denver International, because that's their, that's where their embarkation point is. When we see that happening, dying time is near. When they go under and they go into their bunkers, they're going to lose control over the surface of the planet. They'll have it for a certain amount of time, but then if they cannot provide resources for their minions, the minions are going to do whatever they're going to do. But they don't care about that because they set us up to fail. They want 90% of the population to perish. You heard of the Georgia Guidestones? Oh, yeah. Humanity under half a million, half a billion, all right? Well, they really want to cut the numbers down. So they know that this is coming. They know that it doesn't matter whether they're spring today or they're not spraying today makes no difference. It is not going to change what is coming with this huge dieback. The reason why they are spraying today is that after the flyby, period what I call the backside, after the flyby, they do not want to come up from underground to a planet that has become a new Venus or a Mars. They want a planet that still has a aquasphere, an atmosphere and a biosphere that can regenerate itself. The lithosphere will calm down the earth beneath our feet as this object passes into the southern skies and goes away. So if they are doing it now, what they're doing is they're pumping the radiation back out into space. That's what they're doing now. Has this got anything to do with us being able to breathe? No. No. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. It's about radiation in the light that is transported to the surface of the, of the planet and goes into the lithosphere and is causing uneven warming in the core of the planet. This is the reason why we're having all of these earthquakes. We're having all these bizarre events. For people that don't know it, why bother to explain it to them? They got oh, yeah. their, their head in a bucket of sand. Just keep your head in the bucket of sand. But for other people that actually are looking to see, we don't see what's happening to a planet today. What do we see? We see all this crazy nonsense 
as distracting us. I can't, I can't fathom why Stormy Daniels is more important than what's happening to our planet. I can't understand why you have people saying, well, there's no such thing as global warming. We're in uh, an ice age. If we're in an ice age, wakey, wakey, half of the coral on the planet has died and virtually all of that is the result of increasing sea temperatures. And within 10 years, we'll be lucky if 5% of the coral is left. What's amazing, Marshall, is that we have this abundance of information, yet no minds really flocked to this type of thing. It's quite remarkable in 2018, right? People want to just party right up to the end. It certainly seems that way. And for, they want to do that. Yeah. And we also have listeners out there in Hawaii, Marshall, by the way, and I haven't heard from them. So now I'm kind of wondering if they're all right. And it's kind of like the end days in Hawaii. Well, if you live in Hawaii on the big island, my piece of advice is flume the ditch. If you live in Hawaii, you'll know what that means. There's the, the active volcanoes are on the southern end of the island. And I've been down there actually. I've, you know, I, when it was, this was many years ago and we were able to walk into the area that now you don't go in there now, you, unless you got a death wish. Right. Uh, but I was able to walk around and one of the yuts is down there walking around, having a good time, tourist. Also flew over it in a small plane, got to see it. Uh, that's a big volcano. All right. And the nature of the eruptions are very worrisome because water's getting in there. And if this, if we have a really, really massive Krakatoa style eruption in Hawaii, it's going to be terrible for the Hawaiian islands, but it'll probably send a tsunami straight into the west coast of the U.S. Yeah, that's what I worry about the most. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it is something to worry about. Absolutely. By the way, Marshall, did you, I'm sorry to cut you off, but did you happen to see the footage of the lava going through the car and then the homes? I've seen some of the footage and it's, it's really stunning. Um, the, I can't even imagine what that would be like to witness that up, up close. Well, when I was there, I actually was seeing lava coming there there was a lava flow and uh we actually did uh there was a special ride boat ride big dinghy boat where you could go inside one of the fumaroles and where this stuff the magma comes out that sounds safe the ocean it was really something it's when you go in there it's quite stunning if i were living in hawaii particularly on the big island I would definitely be on the north end of the aisle. That's the dormant side. The south end, particularly the southeast, moving around towards the helo side, uh, that's a different situation. If that blows, it's going to be really, really awful. And it'll also be a wake-up call. Uh, right now, the problem we're having, uh, your own world USA, is I have been ghosted. And this is across all internet servers. Uh, what does really? ghosting mean? Really, what happened, Marshall? Well, ghosting is a good way to look at it. Is why does Donald Trump like Twitter instead of Facebook? All right, Twitter yeah, is hashtags. Hashtags are a community item. 
And so you can't really effectively block a hashtag. You have somebody that is hitting that same hashtag with a bunch of posts in the same day. Then they can do that and block you. On the other hand, everything else on the Internet is about metadata. It's about the title of the page and the keywords that you put in there. When you're ghosted, what happens is that they continue to index your site by the titles, but you are disassociated from keywords. And so if somebody types Planet X, you don't find me for many, many, many years. Type Planet X, oh, man, I came up all over the place. Not anymore. And there are other people, same thing. There's a huge amount of suppression going on. This suppression began last year, uh, about the time that uh, I think it was David Mead started his September 23 predictions, and which you know, to me it was it was nonsense. Uh, yeah, there's like, lots of there's lots of individuals like that um, predicting these end time dates. Well, there are people that are doing it. It's profitable to do that. It's fear porn, clickbait. Uh, the topic has really been hijacked by trash. And I get emails all the time from people, and they're frustrated because they can't find quality information anymore. They go to start looking. What do they find? They find all these guys that are clickbait, fear porn mongers. Um, they're entertainers. They're not researchers. A researcher is like a journalist. You take responsibility for what you publish. Correct. Right. And, Marshall, by the way, I think that stems from the entire 2012 end date. Um, the media ran rampant with that um, possible end time scenario as well. And lots of people actually profited from that as oh, well. Yeah, they profited. But the thing about it, we started earlier, and let's get back to this, is that if you go look at my site, just go marshallmasters.com and you look at signs, you can track it all the way. It began with, we were dealing with another researcher who was talking about uh, the difference between the calendars and how that would affect timing. And then we were, when we were doing that, it was interesting. We said, well, let's revisit December 21, 2012. And I remember with that, um, I was interviewed by National Geographic in August of 2012. And they were really kind of annoyed with me because when they asked me, they said, is there a direct relationship between December 21, 2012 and Planet X? I said, not what I'm seeing in the data. All right. It's coincidental, but I'm not seeing a correlation. And then they said, well, what are you going to do on December 21, 2012? I said, I'm going to make coffee, and I'm very serious about my coffee. Well, my prediction came true. On December 21, 2012, I made coffee. Didn't do too good for the interview. Because they were really looking for me to go, ah, you know that. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't do that. And now, when we went back and revisited, keep in mind, good prophecy has a harbinger. And the harbinger tells you that you are in that timeline. It's like Joseph's dream in the Bible. Seven lean cows, seven fat cows. Remember? Oh, yeah. All right. The The thing is that. We started tracking these two data sets, fireballs and earthquakes, because they really are about two different things, but relating back to the same thing. Fireballs, we see meteors, falling stars all the time. But fireballs are the ones that, those are the big ones, all right? 
And then from there you go to bolides, like what happened in 2013 over Chile, Russia. And all of this from December 21, 2012, all the data sets that we tracked, it was like you launched a missile and it went straight up in the sky. I put the graphics up there. So December 21, 2012, the Mayans were giving their future generations a harbinger based on our transiting through the plane of our galaxy, the Milky Way. And they were telling future generations, if you are in a certain place and you see this, now you have a harbinger sign, you're on a timeline of terrible destruction. Well, that's exactly what happened. There was the celestial alignment and we had the harbinger. And ever since then, if you just Look at the data. Of course, they didn't get it. You know, I'm so tired of asking people to, it's like the fastest way to get people stupid is to ask them to do homework. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's a, that's a great point. Um, we're a small yeah. percentage of the human race, Marshall. I always say this on the program that, um, 75 to 85% of the human population is programmed a certain way. And oh, yeah. if it's not on the mainstream, then it's not happening as you know, the, the, the way it, um, the way other folks say, if it's not on TV, it must have not happened. That's right. That's right. So, you know, people who say it's nonsense always have the same tactic, assumptions. They pull this stuff out of their butt. They begin a conversation by saying, well, it seems logical to me that, or everybody knows. I've never met anybody by the name of everybody, but everybody knows and they start off with these assumptions that are dismissive because they really do not want to know. They, it's not that they don't understand the significance. Don't be fooled into thinking they don't understand the significance. They do at a very visceral gut level. They know if they look at this any deeper, it's going to be a very unpleasant awakening. And so no. They just don't want to know about it. Don't want to know about it. That's all. Yes. And people make a conscious decision to be stupid about this. And that's just human nature. So what we're, what we're seeing ever since December 21, 2012, earthquakes, fireballs off the charts. And it's, and it, it is not abating. It is not abating. The pattern keeps going and going and going and going and going. You know, right now we have on average, 30 to 40 volcanoes erupting concurrently at any one time on the planet presently. When I first started this work in 1999 and 2000, there would be 30 to 40 volcanic eruptions in the course of a year, a year not happening. So you would have a few here and a few there and a few here and a few there. No, now we have something that is truly, truly worrisome. And again, you know, a lot of this stuff really gets buried. You look at uh, when we have earthquakes, when was the last time you heard an earthquake reported that the USGS did not downgrade it? I don't think ever. That's right. I remember. I remember because they started doing this in the around 2002, 2003. And it started picking up. And now they do it. Why are they doing that? Because it skews the numbers. 
if they want to confuse you, disinform you, what do they do? They say, well, look at earthquakes of a magnitude 5.0 or greater and blah, 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 blah. Well, what they're not telling you is that a 6.1 is downgraded to a 5.9. Yeah, and, you know, I personally saw that when the great quake of Easter happened out here in 2010 in Baja, California. I'm pretty close mm-hmm. to the, the border here. It was listed as a 7.2, but on the mm-hmm. app, I was using a different app, and the app had it at a 7. Point, I think it was 7.3 or 7.4. Mm-hmm. But yeah, right. mm-hmm, I'm not exactly sure what it was, though, but now it's listed as a 7.2. That's right. And so they're always jiggering the numbers. They're always jiggering the numbers. And bringing them down. There's a tremendous amount of effort to keep people in the dark. And it works extremely well because people are happy to cooperate. And that's the simple truth of it. Now, for those who are in awareness, I I really, (laughs) the people that are committing the most atrocious conspiracies imaginable have everyone else absolutely believing that there's no such a thing as conspiracies unless you're wearing a tinfoil hat. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> whoa, um, it, it reminds you of what happened during World War II with the Nazis and the Holocaust. They were very good at suppressing the information of what was going on. So nobody had to confront it. But they knew. Everybody knew. Anybody that was anybody knew what was going on. But the decision was made, don't do it, because there was a concern that if they did that, then there would be a lot of pushback. People wouldn't want to volunteer to be in the service or support the war effort if it was about saving Jews, gypsies, and so forth. So the decision was made at the highest levels of government to suppress that knowledge. And they continue to do that today. Yeah, they do it today. So for those of you who are in awareness, and the ones that I really feel my heart goes out to particularly our grandparents, because the grandparents oftentimes will have their their children are going to be living along a coastal area because that's where the good paying jobs are. You're, you know, you're not going to go to the middle of Wyoming and get a really great job. And on the other hand, if you're uh, up in Silicon Valley or you're you're in an area where things are popping, you have a much better chance of making a good living. Well, what happens for these grandparents is their kids are living there. They have grandchildren there. They want to just teach their grandchildren how to be aware, how to look, how to not be taken in by the disinformation. And what happens to these poor, wonderful people is that their own children tell them, if you tell your grandchildren about this stuff, we'll cut you off because you're getting crazy and you're going to scare And they're sitting in some place like Los Angeles. And so my heart really goes out to grandparents who find themselves in this situation. And over the years, I have spoken with more than them, more of them that I would care to remember. And, you know, it's it's tough because they cry. They're heartbroken. They don't know what to do. They have nothing but bad choices. Some of them. It bothers me because they're trying to figure out, well, if my children will not save my grandchildren, my progeny, then I'll do it. And, uh, you know, they're, they're figuring 
at a some point in time, they'll know when it's necessary to kidnap their own grandchildren and get them to safety. Not a good plan. Not a good plan at all. But these are the kind of things that are happening. In the meantime, we are seeing all kinds of bizarre things going on. Bizarre is the new normal. It really is. Is the new normal. Yes. And this is the way it is. So for those folks who are in awareness, it's a lonely place to be. And the thing about awareness is once you wake up to what's happening in the world around you, you cannot go back to bed. There's no snooze alarm on awareness, baby. When you get it, you get it. Okay. It's like there you are laying in your little bubble of blitz and somebody comes in playing a Sousa march. Uh, <laughs> you're yes, up. Yes. Okay. And then Marshall, I never got a chance to really talk to you much about this next topic here. And you're familiar with all the media frenzy that was going on a couple months back about disclosure. Are you familiar with oh, that? They're running that red herring again. They sure are. They even had, a, I believe it was John Podesta who came out on uh, Ancient Aliens. Well, there's always the tease. There's always the tease. They're not going to admit anything unless their absolute back is up against a wall. <laughs> That's all. I've been watching this for 20 years. I mean, come on, give me a break here. You know, it's, it's the same old, same old. This is what they do. This is how they handle it. And what they're really doing is they're trying to get people disinterested. You're always going to have newbies coming into the topic. They can't kill the topic of Planet X. Now, they've done a very good job of really muddying the waters and making it nearly virtually impossible for somebody to go out and find reliable or, you know, competent information where people are really trying to do. Now, there are folks that are doing it. I can see that they're suppressed, but they're doing it and they're trying to do the right thing. And I honor them and I'm grateful for them. But right now it's a lot of confusion. Well, even with all the confusion, the interest is still there in Planet X. Oh, yeah. And when all of a sudden we have a major event, let's say, Boom, in Hawaii, we have an eruption, and next thing you know, the west coast of California is getting slammed, and people are dying in tsunamis in the west coast. That'll get a lot of attention. People will start looking around to see what's going on. Um, case in point was 2003, Nancy Leader, the Zeta Talk website, uh, was predicting a flyby of Planet X. I interviewed her. And she told me that the Zetas lied to her to trick George Bush into invading Iraq. Um, <laughs> you figure that one out. Yeah, yourself. Marshall, you know, I'm glad you uh, mentioned that. Um, let me just let me hold you there for a moment. Um, previously on this program, lots of guests have been in here and some psychic, some that claim to channel. I don't think I've ever really asked you what your opinion was on individuals who do this sort of thing. Well, there's channeling and then there's channeling. Nancy Leader has, uh, she's not, when you're channeling, and this is a very real thing. I mean, my book, Being in it for the Species, I channeled that book. Uh, Nancy Leader is not doing what typical psychics do when they're channeling, which is you are engaged in a conversation across the veil. 
She has questions that she poses to the Zetas and uh, with the Zetas, then she interprets feelings and thoughts that are conveyed. She doesn't get a spoken message from the Zetas. She just gets impressions, feelings, and then she she editorializes from there. Well, that's really, you know, how are you going to duplicate that? You know, <laughs> can can you have a, can you camp onto a call when somebody's just doing feelings? No. That's true. Good point. And, but still the same. There's a lot of good. There are excellent psychics. You know, with all this increased vul- volcanism, all these increased earthquakes, everything that's going on. Uh, the rising Ed- sea level. Casey, you know, Edgar Casey said, hey, when we see Vesuvius or Pele pop, California is going to really catch it. And there are other psychics through their own channeled mediums, and they're coming up with the same thing. There's one, uh, this one lady that uh, is very, very good, very, very good at what she does. And she was saying her exact prediction was when we see lava flowing down the flanks of Vesuvius, that's when we know. Well, Vesuvius is most likely part, there's a large supervolcano off the coast. And it's probably a part of that system. And it's an active system. There's a lot of concern. And there's always people who go, well, it didn't happen, it didn't happen, it didn't happen. And to that, I say the universe is not unfolding at the speed of human expectations. By the way, Gordon, oh, sorry to interrupt you there. Go ahead, Mark. Oh, that's fine. No, that's good. I was just going to go back to uh, the TV program Ancient Aliens. I don't think I ever recall you appearing there. No. They never invited you. No. Hmm, that's strange. And um, I... I don't know why it doesn't. I, I follow my thing. I thought you would. Well, I've been interviewed on quite a few other shows and networks. Typically, the interviews I did were on the topic of Planet X. Yeah. And so I've been on History Channel, Discovery, National Geographic, and... Gaia TV, right? Gaia TV. Uh, enjoyed doing those with George and... The, <laughs> the last one I did with George. Oh. He's been for for ten years George has been after me about Nancy Leader. And we're sitting there in the studio and I'm sitting across from George and I can look through the studio, the control room window, and there's all the people there looking and tracking everything, doing their jobs. And Nuri is going, Marshall, what do you think about Nancy Leader? And it's like he's Asking, he's been asking me this question for so many years. That's funny. And finally, I just looked at him and I just said, okay, George, do you want it with or without the varnish? George goes, without the varnish, of course. And I looked at him and I said, Nancy's as crazy as a peach orchard boar. <laughs> Did he and really have to even ask you that? He had to ask. He that. had to ask. The, my goodness. But the thing that was surprising was after I said that, I looked over at the control room window and I couldn't see anybody standing anymore because <laughs> they were all on the floor rolling. I bet. Laughing. And, uh, that was, uh, of course, I guess, uh, Gaia didn't like that. Didn't think it was, 
it would offend uh, sensibility or whatever. So it wound up on the cutting room floor. Oh, uh, they're just too overly strict. They should have let that in there. Well, you know, these days it's like we don't really have free speech these days. We really don't. We've really moved away from that, haven't we? Especially in 2018 where a tweet can get you fired. Oh, yeah. Who the hell thought that would ever happen, right? Yeah. It's like, did anybody hear of something called due process? Um, it doesn't take much. I mean, there are guys like Weinstein. What a scumbag. Oh, my, yes. Go down. I hope. But there's, if you don't have some sort of process or some sort of balance that innocent people are not dragged in by somebody that goes, oh, wow, I can jump on this and I can get vengeance for something else completely unrelated. Um, that is a bad thing for the people who genuinely need that kind of outlet. And it is a real concern. That's the you know concern I have about that is that it's going to lose credibility and then there's no longer this vehicle for folks that really do need the help uh, because you have opportunists that are just going to take advantage of something and it doesn't have checks and balances. But I digress. Certainly. And we were talking about Planet X and Nibiru and how this topic will just never go away. I accredit a lot of that to, you know, television programs like Ancient Aliens, but more so with uh, Zachariah Sitchin. Well, Sitchin... Even his, even in death, he still remains very popular. Well, of course he does. The work he did, you know, I, I had a few encounters with him when he was alive and... uh was deeply impressed with the man. His uh, fastidious attention to detail is just simply superb. His work stands the test of time. But what people need to understand about Planet X is that this is not one of the pieces of disinformation that's thrown out there is that this whole thing is the 1995 scare created by Nancy Leader of Zeta Talk, blah, 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 blah. They always went after Nancy. She was an easy target. And the fact is, you know, you're not going to find it too easily unless you have the exact title. I did a video called Planet X 101, Who, What, Why, Where, When, and How. And I explained the entire history of it and the key players. And uh, you're not going to see it because I've been ghosted on the search engines. Also on YouTube, uh, there's a... Um, there's a algorithm in place that when my videos get a certain number of minutes of viewing, then they close the, they clamp them down and they kill them. You know, I, so I, I have, get traffic. You know, it's really yeah. weird because I'll get, uh, you know, positive thumbs up to down. I'll get like 99 to seven. Yeah. You know, I, I noticed something very odd like that with YouTube's algorithm, Marshall. Sometimes I'll have more listens than I did. Um, say 30 minutes. Uh, let's just say I, I had a certain number and then I look 30 minutes later and that number has diminished. Yeah. Doesn't that, you, you noticed that, right? Oh yeah. Why the hell does that happen? Sometimes, um, those numbers just don't add up to me whatsoever. It's really strange because the search algorithms, there's a tremendous amount of suppression right now, a huge amount of suppression. And what they're doing is, they're taking traffic away from people that are trying to do an intelligent job of getting the information across, telling the story. 
And the algorithms are really pushing all the traffic in the direction of fear porn and clickbait. And when, for example, I see somebody puts up a video and they go, well, that's Planet X, but what do you think? It's like, no, if you're responsible for the material you're putting out there, you don't tell the listener it's your responsibility to decide what this means. You're an entertainer. You're bullshit. That's it. The minute somebody says, right. what do you think? That's bullshit. That person should give you the provenance. They should tell you where they got the information. They should check for sources. They should do whatever they can to get the information out. Yeah, we work on breadcrumbs that fall off the table. But even with breadcrumbs that fall off the table, you can do something intelligent. But these fear porn guys get all the traffic. It gets routed to them. They get the search engine listings. It's routed to them. Why? Very simple reason. When the time comes that everyone is seeing it in the sky, they're going to start jumping around looking for information. And what are they going to do? Of course, they're going to go Google it, Bing it, Yahoo it, whatever. They're going to go to YouTube. What are they going to find? Useless, crazy, stupid clickbait and fear porn that has only one function, to line the pocket of the producer. If somebody is knocking up a video every day, you don't have time to do really good resource checking and vetting. You're feeding the beast because if you don't keep pumping it, you're going to lose traffic, you lose traffic, you lose subscribers. You lose traffic, you lose subscribers, you lose AdSense revenue. It's numbers. So truth be damned. With fear porn, fear porn and clickbait, it is simply about eye candy. Is it going to get you to hang on and look at it? Are you going to woo-woo-woo? And, you know, it works. People really like that stuff because at one level they understand it really is trash. But it's like sitting around the campfire and you're telling the story about, oh, the two teenagers in the car and all they found the next day was bloody clothes and a hook. You know, that kind of nonsense. Everybody goes, ooh, great. Finish your marshmallows, turn in, we got to go tomorrow. All right? So people people go for that. Yes. But, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. But all of this, and I understand all of this, and I just don't get worked up about it because I've been in this a long time. I know we have one major event or two. This topic will come screaming back. Huge. Right. Because people will start looking outside the box. How do I know that? I was telling you about Nancy Leader in 2003. She predicted a huge catastrophe. People were panicked and scared. Of course, nothing happened. Uh, when the elites see somebody doing this, a date-driven event, you ask me, I, people ask me, oh, win this, win that, win this, win that. Oh, I yeah. just, hey, it's, it's Amtrak, baby. You mm -hmm. know it's going to pull in. You just don't know when. Yes, and, and that's the question okay. I, I always receive, Marshall, when I say you're going to be on the program. When? That, that's what I hear all the time. That's right. You know, and I don't say when. And my big reason for why I don't say when, the fastest way to get somebody to glue their butt to the floor and do nothing is to give them a date. That's true. And uh, That's exactly what happens. You say, it's going to happen on this. They glue their butt to the ground. They stop researching. Aha, I have a date so I can watch and wait and see. Yes. And they take a wait and see attitude. Awareness is not about a specific event 
awareness and preparation are a state of mind. You're doing it, and if you're doing planning and preparation, you're doing it the way our pioneering forefathers and mothers did, all right? People that will stockpile six months' worth of food right now, everybody laughs at them. Everybody calls them idiots, tinfoil hat lunatics. Yeah. But the pioneers that came across, <laughs> one of the first things they do, you know, they dig a root cellar and they'd lay in enough stuff that they would have a six-month supply of food they could get through any kind of winter. That was planning and preparation, and they did it, and they understood. Today, back then, it was common sense. Matter of fact, if you weren't doing it, people would say, well, hope you die well. Okay? <laughs> yes. When we find your bones, we'll bury you. Right. And that right. was how you got to be ridiculous. You didn't do it. You didn't have any common sense. Today, it's exactly flipped. You're, you're smart and you're intelligent about planning and preparation because you got three days worth of food in the house and that's it. Marshall, that I've is been, smart. That's intelligent. Marshall, I've been very curious. Are you still being harassed online? Um, no, it's the whole thing really shifted with, and this is a little over a year now where they went to this much more sophisticated strategy where they can throttle you through the search engines. And if you out of sight, out of mind, as the old saying goes, that's what happens. So this has really affected you know, the number of people that are visiting my sites, following my work. There are people who are been following me for years and they continue to follow me. They like my integrity. Uh, but newbies, and that's where the competition really is, is for the newbies. Newbies don't even know I exist. They don't know I'm alive. And that's because I've been ghosted. That's how powerful this technique is. So instead of getting out there and, you know, mixing you with dirt, they ghost you. Yes. And you know, once you're ghosted, baby, that's it. You are ghosted. But I don't. Right. Look, I'm doing my thing. I'm a, I, I'm an independent researcher. Um, I'm getting along and I'm not going to sit here, oh, poor pitbull me, blah, 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 lament and wail and scream. Look, man, when I started this, I knew this was coming oh, yeah. 20 years ago. I'm glad you have that strong mindset because many people are not built like me or you. No, they're not. And uh, these are. Uh, and check this out, though. Th this is what I was going to get get your opinion on. Here is a name I haven't heard in ages, and this is someone who I really have admired for a very long time. And I'm curious if you recall the name Gary McKinnon. Doesn't ring a bell. Well, let's just say he he called you a a, a charlatan. Uh, uh, you know, I have no idea. I have no idea where he came. Where well. He came out of nowhere and commented on on our last interview, Marshall, and I was just curious that perhaps you, you perhaps you knew of this uh, Gary McKinnon. No, no. And hey, in World War II, there was a great saying: "If you're not taking flack, you're not over the target." <laughs> right, and I, you know, I really do like Gary for for his work. He um, was a hacker. Well, he's. But everyone's, you know, everyone has a different opinion on everything. So, you know, everybody has a different opinion on everything. And it's, I just, 
My feeling is I don't have time to jump down into the gutter to go argue with rats. I hear you. All right. I'm with you. I'm moving forward, baby. That's it. I like that it's, attitude. Yeah. I, you know, the, if there's one, there, there are two men that I identify with most. It's George Patton and Winston Churchill. Patton was like, you know, you're up there, you get up there, but you don't give them any chance. You just keep advance, 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 advance. What about our man, Percival Lowell? Percival Lowell is to me a heroic figure. We and haven't really, we haven't really discussed I, him. Well, person, and we should discuss. We it really should. Percival Lowell is the man who created the term Planet X. Correct. In approximately 1905 or 1906, as I recall, I'd have to go back and look at my stuff for the exact date. But what people don't understand about Planet X is the search for Planet X began following the discovery of the planet Uranus. Yep. Uranus was the first planet discovered with a telescope, and then. Astronomers observe perturbations in the orbit of Uranus, and so they started looking for the perturber. That led them to the discovery of Neptune, and it was a Neptune was the first planet discovered through mathematics. And uh, Le Verrier did the mathematics on it. John Galt also and uh, they sent it to the observatory in Berlin, and literally, they just dialed it right in, and boom, there it was. They observed it. Yes. And But then they started observing perturbations in Neptune as well. And so the very first name for Planet X was actually Neptune's Perturber. All right? And it was... The European astronomers dominated the search for Planet X or Neptune's perturber until Percival Lowell. Now, Percival Lowell was an amazing man. He was a wealthy Bostonian, so he didn't go out and, you know, uh, sell his birthright for yeah. Lowell Lentils to get funding. He was independently wealthy, and he built the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona. Now, he did it specifically to find Neptune's perturber. He was looking, and he actually, you know, he was the one who created the title Planet X. Planet X is not Planet 10. Planet X just simply is, it is an object that is known to be there by virtue of the way it interacts with another observed object. So you can't see it. But you know it's there because it's affecting something else. It's interesting that yeah. you mentioned this, Marshall. I'm sorry to cut you off once again, but oh. an, an article I just read earlier was about astronomers found a new evidence that a giant ghost planet may lurk in our solar system. Um, there could be a massive hidden planet lurking somewhere past Neptune. So it's funny that you're talking about this. I saw that article. Okay, yeah. you did see that on it's Business like, Insider. I was, you know, 20 years ago, I was wondering when we'd start seeing these things. It's crazy. Because, We've come full circle. Oh, yeah. And when I first started doing this, they just said, no, there's nothing. We we found everything. There's absolutely nothing. No, 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 no. And now all of a sudden, what are they doing? Okay. Um, they're, you know, they're covering their tracks. They're, they want to control the narrative. That's really all this is about. Um this is this is just how it goes. But for the individuals, for the listeners out there, if you're waiting for a smoking gun, it'll be next to your smoking body. 
And that's just the simple truth of it. So you become aware and you start thinking about preparedness and what you're going to do, because this is how you train your brain that when something is breaking, when events are breaking, you're not going to just look at that and go, Ellis, you ever saw anything like that? No. Yeah. <laughs> you're not doing that nonsense. You know enough to know it's time to get the heck out of there and do something. You got to bust a move. You got to get going. Uh, and that is really the benefit of being prepared, getting good skills, learning how to grow things, learning how to preserve things, learn how to do basic stuff, be f- proficient with uh, firearms. That's an important thing, um, particularly for women and children. Now, people don't talk about what the real significant impact is going to be of a tribulation once it unwinds. And we're working our way there. There's no question about it. I track the data. But again, what's the point of telling people you have hard science when they have a hard bias against hard science? All right? So why bother? But they're the ones that are, what are they going to do? All of a sudden it goes crazy. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. I tell people who are in awareness all the time, keep your mouth. Shut. Do not start telling people, I've been talking about this for years and I can tell you all about it and this, that, because I've watched all the fear porn on YouTube for three years. I didn't learn how to make a fire, but I can tell you about all the YouTube fear porn. And people are going to say, well, where's your bunker? Well, I don't have a bunker. And at that point, you're going to have somebody step out of the crowd, probably with a PhD, and says, you manifested this. You wanted this to happen, and it's happening because you projected your thoughts to the universe, and the universe has actualized it. Therefore, if we kill you, the manifestation stops, and it goes away. And next thing you hear is a bunch of other people screaming, get a rope. This is the insanity of it. So if you're a person in awareness... You understand these things. You understand how you're going to deal with it. You're going to have to understand how people are going to come into awareness very suddenly, not where they have years or decades to think about it and contemplate it, but they're going to have hours or a few days, and they're going to be in the middle of it when it's going on. They're going to be crazy and irrational. So for those in awareness, what you want to do, I'm sorry, but you want to be somewhere else. You want to be away from everybody that's been laughing at you and ridiculing you because they're going to be dying and dying very badly. And you don't want to be around them when it does. Yeah, so you have goodness. to get away with it. Let the death happen. It'll settle down. And it'll only be a few years into the tribulation. And if you thought your way through it and you're prepared for it, there'll be ways to survive. And there will actually be positive results that'll come. People immediately go, oh, well, we're going to have a tribulation. It's a Mad Max world. They got, you know, Mel Gibbs racing around. I kind of like a, I kind of like a Mad, Mad Max world. That's, it's kind of cool. It's right up my alley. Well, you know, it's, it depends. <laughs> are you, are you dinner or are you going to dinner? Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, we're, you're it, going to have, it might uh, be cannibalism that way. is going to be a problem. It seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think the first city, the major city in the country that we will see uh, during global tribulation 
in the U.S., it'll be uh, Las Vegas. Las Vegas is that landscape is it's a moonscape. It's not a landscape. And if you have volcanic ash, all kinds of stuff that's coming down, Lake Mead. Last time I saw Lake Mead, it was unbelievable. Now it's literally just not that. They're building a third tunnel under Hoover, Hoover Dam just so that they can get water out of what's left of the reservoir. Mm. The top two tunnels, the inlets that were built originally with Hoover Dam, once those are exposed, they can't run the turbines anymore. Yeah, you know, Marshall, yeah. I was just about to ask you where would be uh, most safe to relocate. Most safe is there's here's general rules and um I used to do relocation analysis for people. I don't do it anymore because I was just heartrending to have, you know, grandparents lamenting about their grandchildren and being cut off from them because they're trying to, to explain this to them. Yeah, that's difficult. Oh, it, it's heartbreaking. It's tremendous, and yes. Heartbreaking. The tears, the, the tears just stick with me. The memories are very clear of those calls. But in general, you're looking for rolling hills, soft earth, and lots of water. Water is life. Water is a real tough thing for the West. Now, the reason why it's a tough thing for the West is, I mean, you look at Las Vegas or you look at Los Angeles. If they weren't importing water, taking it from somewhere else, those places wouldn't exist. They're artificial environment. If you're off in, you go to Colorado, you want to go to... Montana, these places, and you're looking for uh, something, well, what you're going to find is that the really good land with water has either been in a family trust for a 100 years, and you'll never touch it, or it's in a expensive property that is in the millions of dollars. Otherwise, you're going to find a, a selection of properties out in the boonies that are going to really not have much in the way of water. It's going to be typical where you see these properties where they have to drill, particularly like in Montana, uh, northwest Montana, up near the Canadian border, which should be an excellent place. But you can't find properties that have water. If you do find a property that has water, it'll be a well that has been dug to eight or 900 feet. Now, to put this in perspective, you can get a hand pump that pull water up from 300 feet. 900 feet, you need a mother big pump, and you need 440 service from the grid. And you lose the 440 service, you go dry. You go dry, you die. And it's as simple as that. So the West is difficult. The center of the country is better. Uh, well, I'm screwed where I'm at. Yeah, you are. I am. It's no um, secret. Yeah, yeah. You're in a tough spot. I know we've talked about it before. And, right. You know, it's, I always feel like, you know, I, I empathize with a doctor going, uh, it's inoperable. You know? <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Um, so this will be the problem. You're going to have migration from these major metropolitan centers. So uh, Nevada could get hit with a flood of people coming in from Northern California. Arizona will get hit with a flood of people, refugees coming in from Southern California. These are the things that you have to be concerned with is where are you at? 
you know, essentially you want to be in a farming community that's off the beaten path and that's distant enough from a major metropolitan area so you don't have refugees coming in because they'll, they'll come in like locusts and just devour everything in there in sight. They'll lay waste. Yeah, there'll be lawlessness in there. Oh, absolutely. No, it'll be ugly. It'll be ugly. During- yeah, this is going to be a mess. This, this whole scenario, when it happens, it's just going to be an absolute mess. It will be, but you know, in every dark cloud, there's a silver lining and there'll be a silver lining here. And the silver lining that I see is people are going to work with each other. They're going to come together. I hope so. I I really do hope so. They will. They will. You know, we're Hollywood teaches us to expect the worst in people. The elites teach us to expect the worst, that it's all negative. But let me give you one example of something good that comes out of it. We all, it's in the zeitgeist. It's in the popular culture. We know about somebody who invents a machine that can generate power very efficiently with water or something, you know, they find something that'll do that. Or you have someone that comes with a cure that'll help out. You know, for example, there's a the Gersten Institute and they treat cancer with a very strict diet of juicing and vegetables and the body is regenerated so that it can fight the cancer. They have a higher cure rate than present oncology, which is protected by law. There's only three treatments. You can only have chemo, radiation, or surgery. You cannot, you're not by law allowed to do anything else. Well, Gerson Institute has a much higher cure rate than anybody else, but you got to go to Mexico because they can't, they are not allowed to treat you with healthy food in the United States. It is considered bad medicine, even though they get much better results. So these are the kind of things, and these suppression mechanisms. Now, one of the things people don't understand is that the GMO and processed food is setting us up to fail. It's making us so that we die. GMO and processed food, we tolerate it because we have fresh food, fresh vegetables, fruits, and so forth. And so that offsets it. If you try... And I did this, so I'm not speaking out of turn here. I did it. I had a stockpile of emergency food for two adults for a full year. And I said, you know what? I've never tried living on it. I'm going to take a month and see how that works. And I put an article up, are you eating death food? And I reported the results. But bottom line was I found I would do one week, same thing, one week with GMO and processed. The next week was purely organic, packaged and canned. With GMO and processed food, and that's all you're eating, This I never got so damn sick in my life. I mean, my gut was inflamed. It was miserable during that week. The second week when I went to organic food, it would settle down. Then I went back to GMO and processed food exclusively for a week, and it was really awful. Again, go back to the organic and it settles down. So I look at people and I, you know, I see Kraft macaroni and cheese and spaghettios and all this and people think they're clever and they're smart. They have never 
all the effort that they put in, all the money that they put into this stuff was deferred action. They're more interested in, well, look at how we've organized the shelves and look at this and look at that and look at our variety. And what, But you ask them, did you take a month to live on this? No, we don't see the need. Food is food. No, food is not food. So what will happen during the tribulation is people are going to have to start growing food, finding food. And GMO and processed, that's going to burn through very quickly. And the communities that find ways to grow food and sustain themselves are going to all of a sudden find a lot of the diseases and health issues that we have today are going to disappear because our diet is highly inflammatory and destructive. We eat a lot of wheat. Wheat is an inflammatory. It's the number one cause of a lot of problems. We have folks that are, their immune systems are terribly impaired because GMO and processed food destroys the lower gut, the flora in the lower gut. And that's where 75% or more, depending on how you, you rate it, of the immune system, that's where it's at. So you're eating this food that is literally destroying your immune system. So this food is going to disappear. And the long-term survivors, the one in 10 that make it, they're, they're going to find that they have less health problems. You go back and you look at studies of natives that had a, lived on a paleolithic diet, hunter-gatherer, which you can, you know, if you can hunt it, fish it, pluck it, or gather it, that's what you ate. Those people were absolutely healthy, perfect teeth, and the leading cause of death was just simply old age. We will go back to that. People are going to, by taking out the poisons that the elites are shoving down our throats, our health is going to improve. Yeah, it's insane. We we definitely live in a nation that's just um, extremely obese. That's it's, because it's of the food. Ridiculous. It's what it's what diabetes is. Just it's gone up tremendously. It's it's a it's a real shame. It is, and uh, we look at the amount of. Um, there are so many people that are diabetic, uh, and when the tribulation starts, I don't care where they're at. You can look at a calendar and mark the day they die, because that'll be, you know, right after the insulin supplies are gone. Oh, and yes. that's it. Yeah. They'll die. So you're going to have people who are pharma dependent. They're going to be dying. But on the other hand, we know there are people that invent things and do fantastic things, and they want to help other folks they want to you know do bring something of value to humankind ways to heal ourselves ways to power ourselves all these things and when what happens with them is when they file a patent they come on they're on the radar and if they submit a patent application with a working prototype that's when government goons working for special interests show up crash down the door, take everything, completely violate their rights, and destroy their lives so thoroughly they're never going to want to do anything like that again. Well, during the tribulation, the monsters that are doing that today are going to be underground, and they're not going to have any goons to go out and do it. So guess what? You get some 12-year-old that one morning just comes up with a brilliant idea on how to purify water, or someone figures out uh, how to create uh, a zero-point energy device that can power your farm. 
or your collective or your survival group. There's not going to be any goons to destroy them and to bury it, but rather they're going to be able to get out and share that information. And so there will be those who survive, who are in awareness, who take some modicum of preparation to this. Yeah, it's going to be a real tough time, but it, the, it will turn around and they will have a real deep, profound belief in the necessity for what you put in your body. Like Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine, medicine be thy food. All right. That kind of, you know, doctors take the Hippocratic oath and all they know about good nutrition, they picked up in a pharma class that lasted 30 minutes. Um, That's very true. You know, you cannot trust the pharmaceutical companies. No. You really can't. No. And so all of this stuff, I, you know, I think if people come together and they will, you know, if we were all such evil, ugly, terrible people. We'd all be going zig heil. You know, Marshall, that reminds me. I haven't seen anyone actually united or come together since 9-11. Yeah. And isn't that sad? But there's absolutely a practical reason. Um, and this, uh, this goes back to George W. Bush. And if you look at our media, when, you know, in the 1980s, I was a science feature producer with CNN back when Ted Turner was running it. And he was a tough taskmaster, but it was a lean, mean news machine. And CNN was an amazing place to be and work, you know, to work with. And I really loved doing it. Today, they're the cartoon news network. They're just this disemboweled, ridiculous nonsense of what they were ever were. They're just. No. Yeah, they don't, Marshall. It's, it's they don't become do the, a. They don't do the investigative journalism. Become a circus. The whole of what I saw. Right. It's mm-hmm. really become a circus. The network. We are surrounded by yellow journalism. And the yellow journalism is the result of something called concentration. Now, Colin Powell's son, when George W. Bush took office, the first appointment was the FCC commissioner. And he put in Colin Powell's son. This was, you know, this was good old boy stuff. This was, that's it. Eh, it was just good old boy stuff. But it was more than that. Powell's son, you know, Powell was the one that went to the UN and told everybody we got to invade Iraq because they're working on weapons of mass destruction, which we learned was an outright, outright lie. And the result of, was a horrible debacle, just a horrible debacle. And... His son was the first one to propose removing the protections. People don't see it because there's not the media to report. But if you look, for example, at where did our factory jobs go? Where did our savings go? How come our mortgages blew up? All of this goes back, actually, to the Clinton administration. The Clintons, A, put China into the WTO, B, signed NAFTA, and Clinton oversaw the repeal of the legislation passed after the Great Depression that prevented another Great Depression, and that was a direct consequence that led to the Great Recession. We don't know all this stuff. So the Clintons, you know, it's a pox on all your houses. The two-party system is a total failure. I'm with you on that one. I say that all the time on this program. The two-party system is just tearing us down. George W. Bush that came in and he was able to repeal 
all the FCC anti-concentration legislation, laws on the book. There was a time when one company could only own a few stations and a few papers. That was it. We were very limited. It was designed so that there would be competition in the fourth estate, that there would be a lot of news outlets. And it was a very wise, intelligent thing for the FCC at that time to do. And what happened? Well, what W, you know, what Bush wanted was there was this antagonism because there was a left-leaning media bias, but it wasn't bad. You had a lot of independent news sources. There were a lot of people that were doing just tremendously good, high-quality reporting, but they removed the anti-concentration laws. And so what happened was, you know, when I was at CNN in the 10 Turner days, yeah. By the way, they were competing of, with like 50 different news outlets. Yeah, and speaking of CNN, Marshall, what what was your reason for leave, leaving, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I left Texas and I went to get into the computer business in uh, Silicon Valley. Oh, okay. So, and they already had a new, they already had a science team there and, uh, they didn't need me. If I had stayed in Texas, mm-hmm. probably been still there. Um, although mm-hmm. it was, it was over, I think, well over a decade ago that CNN actually uh, eliminated their science division completely. That's terrible. But you did, you did leave on good terms though, right? Oh yeah. Okay. No, they were, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed the people that I worked with. It was a wonderful time of my life. Did some very, very interesting things. I was, uh, my degree in college was in communications. Uh, so for me to work with, I was working with a couple of different networks. And I was doing the reporting with CNN, but I was also doing science reporting for the Texas Cable Network. And uh, there I had an audience of, uh, I was doing a, a three-minute segment called Software Corner, and that had an audience of four million. And it was long-running shows. So at that, that time, you know, I was following my career path from college. And, but, you know, it's a tough business. <laughs> <laughs> to make a living. Of course. And dog eat dog. And it was like, I looked at Silicon Valley and it was like, oh, this is a lot easier. It's a okay, lot easier, yeah. Learn how to be a geek. Yeah, it's very cutthroat, that business. Oh, oh, terribly cutthroat. But, I mean, Turner was, he was amazing. He was on top of his game that at that time. Place. You remember when CNN, you know, in the early days, they had the newsroom that they always would shoot? I recall, yeah. I used to have to go into the newsroom sometimes because I would go like a four times a year with story packages. And sometimes I'd have to talk to reporters and producers in that room. And frankly, I got to be honest, I never liked it uh-huh. because you could cut the tension with a knife. These people were doing really hard investigative journalism, digging you had to be totally organized. They didn't sit there, you know, today they just sit there and invent whatever they're going to do or read whatever comes off the teleprinter. Back then, they were doing real by God journalism. So it wasn't, and it wasn't, so a, it was, it was uncomfortable. <laughs> I would come out of there literally, but the muscles in my chest would contract from the tension. I was glad to get out of there. You, you speak of it though with, with, with great passion. Like you definitely had a great time, even though it was a very stressful time in your life. Yeah, well, you're doing it. It was, I was very proud of what I was doing. 
the professionalism was just immense. People, they were doing it. It was an exciting time to be involved with CNN. Today, I can't, I can't watch it, and it just pains me to watch it because they're oh such my. clowns. Yeah. They are such clowns. The stuff that they're doing now, oh, my God, they would have been fired left and right. Boom. Well, with all this this crazy mm-hmm. nonsense that's going on with the Mueller thing 24-7, uh-uh, no, that wouldn't have flown. No, 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 no. no Understood, no. but we, we see it on every side of the coin here, given – the fact that Fox News is reported to be a, a toxic work environment, we all know very well of Bill O'Reilly and, of course, former CEO Roger Ailes. You know, this is the whole thing of concentration. What you have to understand is what is what concentration really did, what George W. Bush did. And it took him not one, but I think it took him two or three FCC appointments before he finally was able to to, to destroy have that old legislation removed so it could concentrate. They wanted to do that so they could have companies like Clear Channel Communications. Now, what they do is there was a time in America when there was so much news competition, you had in major markets like Atlanta and uh, New York and so forth, you had media in that was just serving those markets. They would have very robust news departments they would have their own people overseas reporting news. It was amazing the amount of competition. But what happened was after Bush was able to kill kill that, create the concentration, what happened was guys like Clear Channel would go into a market. They'd find a station that they'd want. They'd go to the owner and they'd say, okay, here's, you know, it was literally Plato o Plumo. Mm. Lead or lead or silver. (laughs) And uh, it was, you're going to sell your license to us. You're going to sell your station to us. Sell your soul, basically. That's right. And we're going to pay you more than it's worth. And if you don't do it, we're going to bury you. Yeah. And so these station owners knuckled under. They couldn't compete with that. They knew they couldn't compete with that. And... Then what would happen is the first thing these guys like Clear Channel would do is they'd go in and install their syndication black box. Now, people think about radios today, radio stations, as they have sound stages and this and studios. And they most of the stations that you listen to today are a couple of boxes in a hilltop facility that's shared with four or five other radio stations because it's all syndication. There's no, there's little or no local production. So they go in, they will put their own programming in. And then the next thing they would do is they would keep the marketing department because they want to sell the, the advertising, but they would go in and literally eviscerate the news department. Maybe they'd just keep a few people to talk about train wrecks and whatnot locally. Uh, but in terms of anything, any kind of effective journalism beyond, you know, local traffic accidents and other issues, uh, that all disappeared. That all went away. You didn't have the people to do that. That's the reason why you drive across the country and you hear Hannity. Right. From coast to coast, no matter what you tune in. That's true. All right. You I hear these people. I also blame, Hannity. by the way, I also blame focus groups for a lot of this stuff too. 
Yeah, there's, and it was something where I'm not going to lay this entirely at the doorstep. Understood. Yes. GOP. Right. Right. Because the Democrats saw the benefit of it. This, this kind of nonsense always gets both sides of the aisle. All right. And if you look at what's happened now, the GOP has Fox and the Democrats basically have everything else. All right. Right. That's concentration. There is no competition for news stories. There's competition for demographic demographics and sex sells. Sex sells. That's why you got the. Cells. That's why you got that all that that hot juicy news all over the place. All that stuff. All that stuff going on. I mean, to be honest, I, like this Stormy Daniels stuff. That yeah. Well, was what's on your opinion? And on and on yeah, and on right. and on. Right. And I'm sitting here going, excuse me. This woman is what the paragon of virtue here. Um, let's be, let's ask the question that they never ask. How many Americans were having fun while watching this woman spread her legs for a porn camera? Plenty. Okay. And so, oh my gosh, no, <laughs> you're going to offend everyone's sensibility. So it's better just to say that, <laughs> oh, you know, she's all that's good with America. And she's, I was like, there is such insanity. There is such insanity, but it's, it's distraction. Only in America, Marshall. Yeah. You go outside Only of in America, America and, uh, you know, we get a lot of all the time. I just don't even bother all that often. For tracking data, I'll go to magazines, newspapers, all right? But I don't care. If they're in front of a television, they're a bunch of lying bastards. I'm with you on that one. They're just a bunch of lying bastards. They're out there to line their own pockets. And it's hypocrisy of that's it. So this is the way it is. And the politics, you know, we have a, we had the, the fourth estate, which was, once very bright, vibrant, you know, has been killed. And I think what really did it, frankly, you know, a lot of your listeners aren't going to remember this, but I can remember Walter Cronkite going, Vietnam, not really going to work out here, folks. You'd be surprised. Yeah. A lot of older folks definitely know who Walter is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And this when Cronkite knows. came out against it, that was it. In the White House, they knew they had lost, they had lost right there. They lost Cronkite. They lost the war. So, they didn't want to have the ability for someone to have that uh, that kind of reach and people would care about it. I mean, I think most Americans have put a lot more faith in a used car salesman than they do in a news reporter these days. That's probably so. And that's an unfortunate thing. But coming back to Planet X yes. and survival is... If you're not going to do your own homework, if you're not going to, if you're going to let somebody else do your thinking for you, you're going to die. And Marshall, and Marshall, what would you say to, let's say a soul just happening to listen in now on this topic of Planet X and they weren't exactly believing any of these things that we're talking about? How would you convince that soul? I never try and convince anybody of anything. That's a great answer, actually. You know, I just, I'm a researcher. I present the information, but what you, my responsibility is to do everything I can to report the best info, the best quality of information that I can. And 
I get people send me, for example, observation videos all the time. On YouTube, I'm sure. Uh, no, no, no. These are people that they haven't put it on YouTube. Oh, cell phone footage. And so I get cell phone footage from people and Mm -hmm. I appreciate that they take the time and they do it. More of them are doing it now than ever before. Uh, but there's times I, you know, I would say 90% of the times I have to say, I'm sorry, I can't use it because you don't have provenance. Uh, you're, you're sending me a picture. You say it's Nibiru. All I see is a red dot against a black background. That's it. I'm going, how about a horizon? How about some stars? How about some reference? How about where were you standing? Time of day. In other words, so that I can go pull up my starry night and see if there's cataloged objects. And people don't do that. Um, a lot of them just don't understand that they need to do that. You could they only, kinda, yeah, you could only lead the horse to the water. Absolutely. And so, <laughs> yeah. but then again, I have folks that just really do a great job. There was a, a girl, Lana, in Tucson, Arizona, and her observation videos were just stellar. And she died. She was in her thirties and died. She died. And it was, it was, uh, it just hurt me so much because I just, she was such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful woman. What happened, Marshall? And she was really committed. Well, she uh, she had some pre-existing conditions. Ah, okay. And, okay. Uh, but a lot of folks really kind of look at it and they're going, you know, why is this not passing the smell test? Um, what we have seen is that smartphone stills, I just don't pay attention to them. Not unless you have a long series of stills. I want video because video is I'm able to look and see things. Oftentimes in videos, I'll see an object and then uh, a tree, you know, the person's moving. And so there's a tree limb that passes in front of it or a bird flies in front of it or a cloud. And this is you know, a, a lens flare is not going to behave this way. And what we're finding with cell phones is Planet X system is behind the sun. Typically, people are spotting it. Uh, last year, in I think it was October, I call it Ophelia Day. It was the Ophelia storm that hit the British Isles. Correct, yeah. They saw three objects in the sky. Well, we have corresponding observations of the three objects that were seen in England on Ophelia Day by thousands of people. Uh, we have corresponding observations here in the U.S., same locations. Now, what's different about smartphones is that smartphones have greater sensitivity in the infrared and ultraviolet, above and below visible light. And they're, you know, smartphone cameras are designed for selfies. They're not designed to be uh, astronomical instruments, but it is, we have seen that certain cell phones, and it depends. You could have, for example, I have one gal, Amber, who um, she and her husband both have the same exact model smartphones. And I, we generally get the best observation videos off of iPhones, not Android. And this is a combination of when was the lens made, how was it coated, what cements were used, because you have multiple contractors. And what happens is that there's a mishmash combination of things 
in the smartphone and in the camera itself that make it sensitive so that they can pick up the object. Uh, the objects that are we are seeing when we see them in the sky appear, uh, oh, you know, they're fairly good size, but actually they're a little larger than they should be. But that's the the effect of the light that is coming through, and the, the light is, and we know that they are behind the sun because the full face of the object is lit, even when it is when a tree's moving in front of it or a bird flies in front of it. And we're we're tracking this, and we pick it up in different cameras. People see it, and still the same. I get a lot of stuff, and I turn it away. Now, the clickbait fear porn guys, if it looks sexy, you know, they don't care. They'll slap it out there, woo, 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 you know. They'll fear porn it, have a lot of fun, collect the AdSense revenue. Yeah, that's I what a lot of people... I won't put mm-hmm. it up because I just can't bet the, you know, I, it's just a bridge too far. The person right. didn't report it. It's like one of the things I get people submit stuff to me all the time and I always answer with what did you see with your own two eyes? And that stumps them. And then I, they come back and they say, well, I didn't notice this until a year after I took it and I was going through my cell phone or this, that, and the other thing. It's like, you know, that's about as useful as a bowl full of itching powder at a hemorrhoid clinic. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> quite, so, the, quite the description I, there. You know, I, I, I just uh, I let that pass. And when I do something, it's worth publishing. Right. And, 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 and go- if I don't have something intelligent mm-hmm. to say, I just don't want to talk. Understood. And going back to YouTube really quickly, you mentioned that people just put this material out there just for the sole purpose of ad revenue. And yeah, that is absolutely correct. Some folks are just purely in it for that sort of reason. Right. And not only are they in it for that reason, you have to understand they have the, uh, when they do that, the way the, the elites work with disinformation is if they find somebody that is pumping their narrative, they don't go to them and say, well, why don't you join us and we'll give you a Golden Wonka ticket to the bunkers and all of that. They don't. They don't have. They just go, these are expendable, useless idiots. Useful idiots. That was the term Stalin used. Useful idiots. So they're just useful idiots. What they do is they'll use their algorithms to not only suppress people like me and other researchers who are trying to do a good job, but then those algorithms are going to flip things and drive traffic at these people, drive the traffic. And so you have some yuts that's doing fear porn, and they're making all kinds of money, and they think, oh, this is because... I'm the best thing since sliced bread, blah, blah, blah. They just fall in love with themselves, have a good time. And it makes sense because for them, it's all about numbers. Forget the truth. Exactly. And they profit from it. But in the same token, then, you know, again, I hear people lamenting that it's going. And my answer to them is, what are you doing for preparation? And again, this is... uh, when I say, what are you doing for preparation? They clam up because they're not doing it. They're not, they're not preparing. And I'm not talking about you have to go out and buy all kinds of stuff and do all kinds of things. There's things that you can do 
that preparedness is not a time, it's not a place, it's not a tool. Preparedness is a state of mind. And the human mind is a programmable wetware computer that is absolutely remarkable and amazing. And so if you program the mind to deal with these situations or these kind of situations, you can adapt and you can overcome and you can make it work. You know, imagine you are in a bank and all of a sudden a bunch of young thugs come in with nine millimeters and there you are. You got some 18 year old kid with shaky hands who's got a Glock up against the, your neck. All right. And making and screaming and being crazy. And you're just wondering if you're going to make it through the rest of the day. And then out of the corner of your eye, you see a, a SWAT team sniper get up to the top floor you know, on the roof of a nearby building. And you see that that SWAT team guy has your the guy that's holding you hostage has him in the crosshairs. You can see he's named. Now, let me ask you, would you want to be in a situation like that with the sharpshooter on across the street and the sharpshooter gets on his radio and goes, excuse me, Sarge, which direction does the pointy end of the bullet go? <laughs> okay. And that's how people do preparation. Buy a box of dehydrated junk, throw it in the garage, forget about it. That's true. Right. And you want to know that whoever is sitting on that structure across the street has spent God knows how many days and hours at the rifle range shooting proficiency is capable of dealing with that situation. They're trained for it. They're mentally trained for it. They don't have to think about it. It's muscle memory. Okay. Now, what do you want? Do you want muscle memory because somebody is doesn't even have to think about it, that they're so prepared? Or do you want somebody that says, uh, where does the pointy end of the bullet go? And the amazing thing is a lot of people would say, well, I want to know where the pointy end of the bullet goes because <laughs> I don't have to think. Preparation Seriously. is about programming your mind. Oh, yes, the mind. And that, and brings, that oh, doesn't ahead. cost any money. You don't have to have a spoiler spouse going hysterical and freaking out because you want to get a four by four, okay, <laughs> four by four, an old yeah. truck or something like that, yes. or you want to, you know, you want to. They may say, yeah, you put a couple of cases of pork and beans in the garage. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. You know, and you're going to deal with that. You're going to have spoiler spouses, men and women. And those are the ones that really do the worst damage. Certainly. But if, if you are preparing yourself mentally, you're considering, you're thinking about it. The first thing that happens is you take fear off the table. That's what they don't understand about preparedness. Preparedness doesn't put you into a state of fear. It takes you out of a state of fear because now you are taking responsibility for your life. You're getting behind the wheel of your existence and that changes everything. It brings an inner peace and a calm and centered, and you're centered. But people don't think that. They think, what do they think? It's because you have these prepper shows. History Channel made a fortune. Oh, there's so many. There's so many of them. I can remember when they started these shows. I had television producers all the time coming at me, left and right, and I always said the same thing. No, I'm not going to wear a hula skirt and scratch my crotch on television for you. They got the message. 
and they left me alone. Yeah. I wasn't going to do it. I'm starting to think, was this around 2010, perhaps? Yeah. When we started seeing that influx of uh, prepper shows. Is that when it was? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I figured. And uh, so what happens? You You see these lunatics, people that are running around, you know, with first off, the first rule of prepping is don't tell anybody what the hell you're doing. Yeah, that'd be... These idiots go on national television, and it's like, boy, stupid is a stupid does. But they're after their 15 minutes of fame. They right. want their money. Yeah. You know, Unfortunately, that. that's, it's just a money grab. And uh, Marshall, I am, um, I regret to say this, but we are running out of time, and there's only a few other things I wanted to cover here with you. Sure. Let's get to them. Okay. One thing I was just curious, are are you having any kind of prophetic dreams of any sort? Prophetic dreams? Um, I have people reporting prophetic dreams to me. I've had prophetic dreams and, um, the, and I take them very, very seriously, particularly waking dreams and visions. Those are the most powerful. That's when the other side can reach over to you. And, uh, pass along information. So for those of you who do have a waking dream, these are immensely powerful, immensely prophetic. Do not discount them. If you have it, get up and do it. I have used, um, I'm more, I'm in it. So I don't need the, the dreams and the prophetic visions to wake me up to what's happening. And that's usually, that's what happens. These are the, these are there to get you off the dime, so you start thinking. But once you're off the dime and you're thinking and you're doing something constructive, and I'm going to tell you, watching YouTube videos all day long is not constructive, even though it's amazing. You can go on YouTube. It was like, I was going fine. All right. I want to, I reevaluated my, you know, weapons for personal defense. Phenomenal amount of information on YouTube for that. Phenomenal amount of information for all kinds of worthwhile survival skills. So you can get on YouTube and you can really do a lot of good preparedness and people just think you're, you know, a social media yutz. Right, right, so right. So what? Okay. But there's tons of stuff. But did, yeah, you, you go out, you're going to follow a few channels. You're going to see who's doing something interesting. But for a lot of people, there's this addiction is about the best way. It's addictive. And they're just, they're always looking for that final smoking gun and they're looking for entertainment and it's woo woo. People are addicted to information. That's true. They get addicted to it. So can you go on YouTube and Vimeo and find huge amounts of really valuable, useful information? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've used it for for researching weapons, for researching uh, survival techniques. You could even use it to fix a sink. You could even use it to fix your sink. All sorts of tutorials on there, too. Yeah, yeah. Pretty useful. It's absolutely amazing. You know, it's like, um, you know, this was last year, and I decided I was always a 45 guy. 45 ACP, but I was really thinking about it. I'm going, well, 45 got a lot of kick. You know, women and 12 year olds are not going to do too well with a 45, but a nine millimeter. Nine still, will. Yeah. You know, you're going to knock them down, but you can handle it. You can handle that kind of weapon. 
And I started looking at nine mil and, um, I don't, you know, people go for the fancy stuff. I always take a philosophy of what is, what's the working guy doing? What's the guy who straps it on every day and depends on that firearm to keep him alive? And so, for example, everybody is in love with Glock, but I took notice of the fact the United States Army uh, wanted to replace the Berettas that they use right now, the 9mm Beretta, with uh, a new 9mm design. And there was a very strong competition between Glock and Sig South, Sig 1 with their P320. Glock was furious and, you know, demanded a second look. But when I went out and I looked at the, I own a Glock, I own a Glock 45. But when I looked out at the P320, uh, I was, now, now I know what the Army saw in this thing. And that was it. Boom. I snagged it. Yeah, they're, they're great guns. They don't lock uh, up or anything. You know, the, uh, the SIG has, uh, they had a little bit of, you know, teething pains with new designs. They fixed that with the trigger update. Uh, but it's, that is just, you know, I, the first day I had it, I went to the range, brand new, took it right out of the box. Nice. Since I got it from the factory and I, I got 200 rounds of the cheapest, cruddiest ammunition I could find. And it was like flawless, just ate it. Nice. Boom. All right. So then, uh, you know, the next thing was, okay, you need a carry weapon and something small you're going to carry around. You're going to be in the community. Uh, you know, a duty pistol is, it's really not practical if you're out there working a farm, but you have something smaller. And then that I went with the uh, Smith and Wesson MP shield because why? Because it's the concealed carry that a lot of cops like to carry. Yeah. It's really popular with police. Ankle strap, so, typically. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I got it. I bought the P320 because I, I went out and I asked cops and they were, yeah, they said, Oh yeah, we're going to do that. I'd get the 320. Yeah. Yeah. They're more than happy to discuss that with you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can get that information and it's something that's important that you need to, uh, you know, the difference between nine millimeter and 45, ask a surgeon, they'll say, open somebody up. And if they get hit with a hollow point slug, it doesn't matter. It's going to be ugly. Right. But as a general guideline between 45 and nine millimeters, 45 is man and beast, nine millimeters just for shooting people. Certainly. I, and I'd be careful about shooting an animal oh with my, nine millimeter unless yes. it's a really good shot. For sure. Um, and, and moving, but, moving along here though, Marshall. Um, I digress again. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. We're, we're just running a little bit out of time here. But another thing I did want to ask you about is deja vu as the French already, or well, the French refer to it as already seen. Mm-hmm. And have you ever experienced any of that yourself? Deja vu? Yeah. Yes, I've experienced deja vu. I know it's kind of random to ask, but I have always wanted to for some reason. You got to let it come to you. You can't force it. And, uh, you know, there's an old saying in Texas, let it go free. If it's yours, it'll come back. If not, get a shotgun and hunt it. <laughs> right. And, you know, that's Texas. <laughs> Just joking. Yeah, but all the, all the trouble with your listeners. But That's okay. Uh, are there other possible explanations that have been seriously advanced are that deja vu results from one or another form of ESP, like clairvoyance, telepathy, precognition, you know, all these things, precognitive dreams. It's kind of what I was trying to fish out of you earlier. 
I was just very curious about that. Them. Uh, what I can tell you is I am, uh, I do have dreams, visions, premonitions, but these are directed. In other words, once you, first off, you have to acknowledge that it is happening to you and that it's a very real thing and that it's a good thing. You don't want to, you don't want to run around, be fearful. And then you can use it for problem solving. And I think for survival, it makes it an immensely important skill. Um, I will be working on something uh, right now. I'm um, writing in my next book, and there are times when I'm slogging through something, and I'm not sure. I know what I want to talk about, but uh-huh. I don't know exactly how I want to tackle it mm-hmm. or how I want to approach it. And I just put it out to the universe before I go to sleep. And then in the morning, I'll wake up, and in that twilight moment between sleep and consciousness, that's when you get it. When you That's a waking vision. When you get that, you immediately write it down because you're asking the other side to help give you information that you need. And so it's a very powerful thing. Uh, the, the prophetic visions of death and destruction, yes, I have had those. And I have validated what I saw in those. Um, these, these are very profound experiences. They are the purpose of these experiences is to get you out of the doldrum of denial. Once you're out of that, now what you need to do is you need to start working with the other side. The other side is always there. I mean, when I first started doing this way, way back in the beginning, I was a born hard geek, baby. Bright you know, eyed. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. You were bright eyed and young. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, the dad just, I'm sorry, it made me chuckle. But, um, I really came to understand that if you follow this work that you do and all you follow is science, I'll tell you where it gets you because it, where it got me depression, because you really come to realize that not only are we facing a looming catastrophe, but that we are being set up to fail by people who want to see the maximum number of humans die. That is the awful, terrible truth. But when you approach this from a standpoint of saying, what matters most is my relationship with God. And you don't have, you know, you don't have gatekeepers and middlemen telling you how to have your relationship with God. You're doing that on your own. And then what happens is you really do come to understand that things are unfolding as they should and that the elites uh, do all these awful, terrible things. They have the worst things planned for folks, but if you are approaching this from a standpoint of being in service to others and that you're in it for the species, that's why I titled my book, Being In It For The Species, and that you care about people and you do this and you are in service to creator part of that, that brings a lot of order and calm to your life. And it gives you a very beautiful, broad perspective. You can step back from it enough that you, you will, you can't make the dark clouds go away. But when you do this, 
it gives you the ability to find the silver lining. And then you can focus on that silver lining and where that's going to take you. Now that's going to help you. And so you may, in the midst of terrible times, wake up and have a waking vision in your mind. You see water coming out of the ground because you've been given. God has given it to you. One of your ancestors on the other side has given it to you. But there's always, the other side is always there to help you. The other side loves you. The other side doesn't want us to fail. The other side does not want the elites to win with their maniacal, sociopathic nonsense and schemes. For them, they're going to find out what the Nazis learned. Nothing ever works according to plan. And you got to have faith in the future. you got to have faith in your relationship with God. You have to have faith that there's going to be good people, like-minded people, that you can pull through, and that survival, purely for the sake of surviving, that's a short-term ticket to death. I mean, imagine you're sitting there in a bunker, and at first you're slapping yourself on the back because, aha, everybody else is dying, but you're sitting down there with all these goodies. But all of a sudden the tribulation is not going to last a year, which all your supplies are for. It's going to last a decade. That means you're going to have to come up to the surface and you're going to have to come up to the surface to a strange, new and probably terrifying world. Now, the folks that are pulling together, helping one another, they're going to be dealing with that, but they're going to know that they've got each other's back. It'll be a powerful thing for them. If you're sitting underground, you're just waiting every time you hear a clunk in the engineering room. Maybe a water tap starts to go slow. You look at the food rations that you have, and they're starting to dwindle. And all you have is a realization that you don't have enough, that you shorted yourself in your own preparations, and eventually you are going to have to come to the surface. And it's not going to be about what you find on the surface. It's going to be what on the surface finds you. And they will smell your healthy MRE-fed body a mile away. And then when you least expect it, you die badly. My goodness. That's no. what it is. But you're pulling together with like-minded people. Right. You're walking humbly with God. If you're, if you want to walk out of the tribulation, you got to walk through it with God. Period. If you don't, you know, all of these Mad Max types, what do they do? Do they create anything? They do anything inspiring? Uh-uh. All they know how to do is take and steal. And I'll tell you, you're going to have communities that'll form. And there's going to be a lot of men and women who are trained in the military or in the police. And yeah, there's bad apples in every barrel. But one of the things you're going to see is that you're going to have folks that know what they're doing with a rifle. They're going to know how to stalk. And they're going to go out because the last thing you want is for cannibals or gangs or ne'er-do-wells. I call them the dregs. They're the dregs of society. Yeah, great name. The last thing you want to do is have them show up at your inner perimeter. You want to take them out long before they even come within sight of your outer perimeter, let alone in your inner perimeter. You want them on the wire. You want, you want nasties on the wire. You're going to fight and die. 
you're going to find that there are going to be people right now, they're noble warriors, they're already in the military, and, you know, most all of the people who join the military, they don't do it to become bad people. They do it to become badass. That's true, right? yeah. And they're going to be noble warriors because they're going to see their spouses and their children and people that they love and care about. And they're going to know there's nasties out there. And what they're going to do is they're going to go hunt them down and take them out. There's not going to be any long, heartfelt conversations, come to Jesus moments or anything out. They're just going to see them and they're going to put them down like the damn dirty, filthy animals they are. My goodness, yes. And Marshall, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. Let's hope for a better tomorrow. Always hope for a better tomorrow. Oh, yes. Marshall, please leave us with one more final word before we part ways. Always remember, surviving a tribulation is less about holding on to things and more about holding on to each other. Very nice. And, of course, my guest this evening was Mr. Marshall Masters. That's YowUSA.com, Y-O-W-U-S-A.com. Check out his website. Great guest, great conversation, always an honor and pleasure to have you. Uh, grace us with your presence, Mr. Marshall Masters. I always enjoy being on with you, Mike. You are a true seeker of truth. Thank you, my friend. And we'll talk again in the very near future, my friend. God bless and take care of yourself. You too, good buddy. All right. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was my guest, Mr. Marshall Masters. I'm looking at the time, and yes, we are drawing near the top of the hour here, and it is time to go on a little break. And when I come back from that break, I have a little news, a little email to read here. And of course, perhaps your phone calls. That number is 760-332-8724. One more time. 760-332-8724. Don't be afraid to call in. I'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned. Not a single time. Never. These allegations are false. And I need to go back to work for the American people. And welcome back to the program. Thanks for being here with me. I hope you enjoyed the music there. I certainly did. I always get lost in the music, as I always say here on the second half of the program. Really enjoyed doing this show. I'm sure many of you know. For those new in attendance, let me take a moment to reintroduce myself to all of you out there. My name is Michael, and I'm the host and producer of this very unique program. This is a call-in show. You're always welcome to call in here at 760-332-8724. One more time, 760-332-8724. Or on Skype, end of days, Mike, and I believe Vanessa is joining me now. Hello. There you are. What's going on? Not much. Oh, I hear an echo. Oh, no. Is it gone? Uh... Yeah. It'll go away in time. That That's how it goes. But um, thanks for hanging out here with me. How are you? I am good. Very good. Thanks for being here with me. I have a number of things to get into. And before I do, did you enjoy the first interview there? Yes, I did. It went on long. It went on long. I've heard that yeah. before. Oh, I know you did. That's, yeah. kind, of the, that's kind of the complaints I've gotten. I, I, it, it's too long. It's gone too long. That's not a bad thing. Wrap it up. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So, you know, I got some news here before I mm-hmm. wrap it up. Um, okay. Feel free to chime in whenever you want. Okay. You are more than welcome to do so. And I have to say, Vanessa, I'm not sure if you're, fo- well, you know, you're not following any of this. Okay. What I'm gonna, yeah, what I'm gonna talk about right now, but that's okay. It's okay. You could just, pre- you could just pretend you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I will agree with anything you say, baby. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> my lovely, lovely, beautiful friend. Okay. Or something else. All right then. So the drama continues with those on the other network, the Dark Matter Radio Network. Mr. Keith okay. Rowland. Is in some sort of legal battle with one Heather Wade. And all of these sort of things could have been easily avoided if all could have just followed uh, protocol. However, none of this has really been simple. It's been a pretty hard process to get everything sorted out. And a couple of nights ago, lots of trolling went on on the interwebs, Vanessa. It was... um. Mm-hmm. It was a good time from what I saw, but this really incited this dark matter. I have no idea who is responsible for such childish antics that went on that did not help the situation. And who would have known the obscurity of a paranormal talk radio would be such a topic of interest all of a sudden? For the most part, Vanessa, talk shows whose prime directive is themed around the paranormal. Generally, there's perhaps maybe two or three different types of archetypes who are drawn into this field. The paranormal talk show, the paranormal talk themed shows, I should say. Okay. I don't mean to burn any bridges, but you know who this crowd is. Well, this is the second half. Right. You gotta burn bridges and that's what we're gonna do. And of course, to throw more coal into the fire, there was just another interview conducted. That will certainly cause controversy. I believe his name is Vincent Bell or Vincent Pontius Bell. I'm not quite sure what he goes by. This interview was conducted by one Liberace from a Belgab. Hi, Belgab. I miss ya. Anyways, this interview, I got a chance to listen to it for a while and it was quite brutal. Brutal. Quite brutal to hear the personal details going on in Art's child, Vincent. Interesting to listen to, but very depressing. Very, very depressing. And, and, and of course, for those younger listeners out there, it was, it was sort of like the episode of a fresh Prince of Bel Air when Will meets his dad and his dad wants nothing to do with him. Oh, I, I, I can, I, I understand that. You know what I'm I talking could, about, right? I could relate. Yeah. It hit me right. That. It hit me right in the heart. In the feels. In the feels. Yes. Yes. So that's some of the drama that's been going on in the paranormal talk circuit. Well, I would have never guessed that there was one. There's some drama, yeah. Yeah. Not much of a scene, but yes. Also, I had interviewed, (laughs) (laughs) also I had interviewed Karen, Karen from KNYE out of Pahrump. That, Mm -hmm. that of course was a fantastic interview. For those who did not catch that one, go to michaeldeacon.com and you could find it. Pretty good little episode there. And having to, well, let me go back and say, spending some time and listening to multiple interviews about this sort of thing, I've really 
come to a conclusion and connected some of the dots to all this drama, but I'm not going to talk about that. I'll leave that up to the listener to connect the dots on their own. Now, moving along into things that you can relate to, Vanessa, I'm sorry to, okay. sorry no, to just, okay. yeah, I didn't mean to alienate you there. No, it's okay. I mean, I'm kind of proud. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's all right. Don't worry. It's really nothing. It's okay. It's just mindless drama. Okay. It'll all go away eventually. Okay. Yes, and I got an email right now, right here, and I thought, shit, I should just answer this one. Is it bad? Is it a bad one? Uh, no, it's not a bad one, but I just thought, it's a, it's a pretty good one. I, I'll just go over it with you, and this is from, okay. this is from Andy in Ohio. Mm-hmm. He goes, I love your show. I listen to it when it comes out on YouTube. Your voice and demeanor are so easy to listen to, and like, I think a person's voice and how they come across get in the way of the message sometimes. Sophia Smallstorm is the same way. Easy to listen and focus on the message. I don't even know who that is. Hmm. Have you ever heard of that? Sophia Smallstorm. Who the hell is that? Shall we Google her? We can, (laughs) but I'm going to continue reading. It's it's not over. Okay, okay. And then it goes on. There's more. And it goes on to say, question about the show you did with Alfred Weber. It was mentioned that you were on a different show talking about Joe Rogan and Eddie Bravo. I listened to that part a few times, but couldn't figure out the name of the other show you were on. It sounded like Yug Nasty. I don't know. I searched, I searched it and variations of it with no success. What show was it you were talking about being on? I wanted to listen what you said about them because I listened to JRE and Bravo. Mostly for MMA discussions because some subjects Rogan gets into, I have to turn off because he thinks he knows everything. And it goes on and on. And, of course, he brings up Eddie Bravo a little bit here and talks about MMA a little bit more. And then he thanks me and he says, uh, keep up the good work and congratulations on winning versus YouTube. And So again, is that a flat earther? I don't know if this is a flat earther, to be honest with you. Okay. I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll explain. Yes, I did go to Yuck Nasty's uh, birthday bash. Some sort of, it was, um, it was during his online show. I'm not even, I'm not even quite sure if that part was even recorded, to be honest with you. It was sort of towards the end. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure if I even made the cut, to be honest with you. But yes, I was live on the stream there and I'm not even exactly sure why. I brought up Joe Rogan and Eddie Bravo, but I, I sort of trashed them a little bit. It's not a big deal, though. And I'll repeat what I said. I, I mentioned that their act is a little stale nowadays. And what I'm, Did you call them hacks? No. Well, I, I might have. <laughs> I might have called them hacky. Okay. Might have. The thing is, their act is a little stale nowadays. And what I mean by that is I, I don't really even listen... And I haven't listened to his show in, goddamn, forever since it started, since way back. You gotta remember, I am a long time MMA fan. I've done jujitsu and trained, uh, with a few local fighters and a few of them in San Diego. And I've always liked Joe and his commentary. Nothing wrong with him. I still like him to this day. It's just I listened to his show plenty of times way back then and, 
he basically started the show because he was a huge Opie and Anthony fan, and he gives them credit, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. It's a great show. I Don't get me wrong. I don't dislike the show, but it's become a little too repetitive for me. It's the same thing over and over. He's kind of an over. asshole. Who is? Joe Rogan. You think he's an asshole? Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. He's kind of cocky. Kind of douchey? Yeah. Uh, I get you. Yeah, I get you. I get you. It's just a little too repetitive for me. I kind of already know where the conversation's going without even having to uh, listen to it. I mean, you you you've been listening for a while, so. Well, I mean, I've way back in 2009, was it 910? I've only listened maybe uh, on and off for a year or two, mm-hmm. but then it became the same thing. And to be fair, video games get repetitive, movies get repetitive. Everything can reach that level, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it's, it is what it is. And I don't even like saying that crap. That actually pisses me off, but for lack of a better term, there you go. It is what it is. It is okay. what it is, yes. Yeah, so annoying. Don't you, don't you hate that? Yeah, I kind of want to punch someone. Every time I hear that, I feel like punching someone right in their goddamn throat. Yep. I was going to throw an F-bomb there. Oh, oh. I got vicious. Yep. Yeah, so. You got to keep it um, PG. PG, right. And speaking of PG, people are always going to like whatever they want, and that's fantastic. I like that there are uh, plenty of options out there. It's a great time for audio content. We have moved further and further away from radio. Um, And if I I could, I would love to have this program on Sirius one day so I could misbehave Mm -hmm. and not follow all the rules. And regulations of the FCC, and I've been offered a few pay-to-play deals. However, that's that's not something I find tangible at all, especially at this point in time. I've been having fun without any sort of restrictions here. What do you guys say about yeah. that? I say, I mean, yeah. You I was waiting for you to jump in. You, you got <laughs> you got to wait for a good offer. That too, but it's just you know it doesn't make much sense yet. Yeah. Does it not make much sense yet? really doesn't. So, Vanessa, I'm very glad you could be here tonight. That's right. Always. Anytime. Yeah, it, it's been a great time. And mm-hmm. by the way, I must say, this reminds me of um, my conversation with, with Marshall a little bit ago. I mentioned Fox News and the network and the toxic environment that Fox News has gained a reputation on. The, the rapey environment? The rapey environment, yes. Okay. I was just wondering, can you imagine having to work at a job like that? Like a pre- like a prestigious job offering great money. You're, you're getting paid great money, and your boss is kind of hitting up on you there. It, it kind well, of puts I you mean, in a weird it, situation, right? I mean... As a woman, I would like to get your opinion. That's why I'm bringing it up. Okay. Well, I've worked... I've crappy jobs and have had people hitting me up. So sometimes you just gotta, you know, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. It is what it so, is. It is what it is. Yeah. Oh so, my I God. Mean, so if you get paid a lot, I mean, you gotta put up with some stuff sometimes. Oh my goodness. You see? <laughs> understood. Understood. It just yeah. seems like everyone who I ask about this sort of thing, they just, they hit that eject button quickly. Mm-hmm. They don't want to talk about it. But they'll talk about CNN and all their yellow journalism, but they won't dare talk negatively about Fox News. Have you noticed that? Well, I mean, I take shots at everyone. I mean, you know, I don't give a shit. 
I don't, I don't yeah. have a dog in the fight. I'm going to go after every network. They don't want to burn bridges. <laughs> they, I know. They're scared. <laughs> they're scared. Don't be scared. Like, so, like some people. Don't yeah, be scared. Don't be scared. It is what it is. It is what it is. Exactly. So don't, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Yes. And, and moving on here, moving on here to this whole situation with a Lyft driver. Apparently he ordered a gay couple out of his car after they kissed. Oh, did you see that story? No, I didn't, but they look like nice guys. You know, they look like, they look like happy guys and, and someone okay, got but really how, mad. How, how far did they go? I have no clue. A straight couple. I mean, it's a little much. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've ever seen two grown men making out somewhere. I mean, I have, especially I mean, here in California. In well, yeah, I'm sure I, you've seen that. Yeah. It's a little distracting, right? I mean, sometimes, yeah, I sometimes, let's be honest. No, for sure. But I think even like a straight couple, they're making out. I mean, it's a even little a, bit even, much. even a straight couple. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little much. And so how far were they going? I, I don't know? know. I just, I remember I quickly skimmed through this article i didn't really specify was there a lot of tongue action? it says we gave according to this article says we gave each other a short kiss on the lips i don't believe them you don't believe it you think it's it's nonsense yeah there's all kinds of tongue there was slobber slobber and it was getting gross a little bit of groping going on little second base action for sure a little touch uh, on top of the clothes oh my god a little a little pg action yeah. Like the movie Scream? A little on top of the clothes yeah. action there? Oh, yes, yes. A little feeling up. Uh, yeah? Yeah. So you think he was rounding the bases, and that's what caused this this um issue here. I mean, maybe they even did it on purpose. I don't know. Nowadays, you can't even tell. You really can't. No. Yeah, I'm not surprised by this, though. No. It's a scandalous um, ordeal for all involved. Yes. And how do you feel about women who breastfeed at the mall, out in the open? Well... I, I mean, would you be doing I that? I, I, I don't like it. No, I would not. Have you ever seen any woman do that at the mall? I have a couple times. It's a little disturbing. I actually have, and it is disturbing. A little and much. Actually, it is, and I think they should do that at home. Maybe they should, I don't know, pump and prepare <laughs> for when pump, they go pump out. Pump and prepare. Yes. I like that. <laughs> yes. And how do you feel about this whole royal, re- um, the whole royal wedding? I don't feel about it. I don't care. I don't give a about shit about it. it either. No, I don't care at all. I, I, I don't know how anybody could care about that, especially Americans. I mean, <laughs> it's really, even, really a waste of time. It really is. People I mean, stayed up really late just to watch it too. I, I, yeah, I think like it was at four in the morning. Something like something. that, right? Yeah. That's pretty sad. I wouldn't even get up that early for who, my own. Who wedding. does that? No. Not even my own wedding. Yeah, even my own wedding, I wouldn't do that either. Exactly. Great point. <laughs> yes. The hell does that? People Good with no God. life. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay up till four in the morning to watch the the royal wedding. And it's so sad. I mean, that's not even Jesus. Like, uh, yeah. But there are people like that with their TV guides. Yeah. Sadly. They watch everything. They watch uh the night talk shows. And they're fans of Amy Schumer. Oh God. I've been going pretty hard at her, huh? Yeah, you have. I've been going hard on her. Oh. I mean, I'm I'm going to go hard on you, but I'm going to go hard on her, too. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I know. You kind of set yourself up. I know. I liked it. <laughs> well, that makes two of us. Ooh. Right. And, by the way, special thanks to uh, you, Vanessa, and, of course, to Marshall. Oh, thank 
you. Yeah. It's always fun to have you on here. And of course, like I said, special thanks to Marshall Masters out there who jumped on board on short notice for those that oh, are. He, yeah. He loved, he loved it. He would have stayed on. He would have been on right now. He, I know he was fired up, wasn't he? At the end there? I couldn't get him off. I couldn't get him off. He scared me at the end. What happened? He's, I don't remember, but he's, he got intense. He, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, he did say on Skype that we touched on topics that, that he's passionate about. So. Oh, that's good. That is really good. It was a good interview. I, I told him this is probably one of our best interviews we've ever done. It was really good. It was good. I thought it was pretty goddamn good. He did a great, yeah, goddamn good. He did a great job. Yes. And uh, Vanessa, once again, uh, just like clockwork, once again, we see another school shooting. Oh, God. Yes. What did you think when you saw that? Were you even surprised? Was it even? No, you can't I don't be surprised, surprised anymore. I don't. I How don't can surprised. you? I don't. But and 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 I was looking up the pictures of the of the, the, shooter. the shooter. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think he would look like that. He's kind of crazy. Yeah. He looks bit. he looks normal, but he looks a little. He he does have that that um that look in his eye. Yeah, that that crazy eyes. It's a little. Yeah, he's got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, ooh, ooh. I'm hearing all sorts of things back there. <laughs> I put, the volume went up. Sorry oh, okay. Yes. Very nice. And of course, everyone's favorite, Sandra Bullock, uh, making the rounds in the media again. She's, uh, holding up pretty well. She is. She's she 53. Really she is goddamn 53 years old and she looks better than a lot of women that are younger. Is she, she really does. Gotta and admit she adopts that. kids. She adopts kids. Is that what it is? What it is? Yeah, because she doesn't have her Ooh. own. She adopts them, so that's probably why she looks good. Yeah, no, no uh, stress. No stress, no, because uh, because you gotta admit, kids are kind of a little bit no, parasite. No baby daddy. I think she had well, not a real baby daddy. Well, that's what I mean. Somebody, not a yeah. real, not a real one. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, is that gonna be like a Maury Povich situation? That's right. Yes. Right, right. Is that still on? I think so. No. Maury's still on, right? It's gotta be still on. More, he, that's a, he that's a good, he's ancient. Oh, he still looks good. How old is, how old is he nowadays? He was born in 90, I mean, I'm sorry, he was born, he was born in 39. So, <laughs> 39, I have dyslexia. He's 79 years old. Yeah, he looks pretty good for his age. Yeah. He's I holding mean, up. He's been married a couple times. He's been through the ringer, huh? Yeah, and oh, he's shit. single now. Oh, Daddy. he's, he's out there. Yeah. Single and ready to mingle. That's why he looks good, because he looks single. Also, that that Chris Hansen, he's he coming him. back. I thought, of course. How <laughs> can you not right over here? How can you not like Chris Hansen? I know. I used to love that show. To Catch a Predator. That was a great show. God damn. Yeah. What happened? Why did they? Why is well, it the, gone? The network canceled it, but. But I it believe... only aired three years. Did it? I thought it lasted a little bit longer. No. 2004 to 2007. 2000, okay, I just saw that now, yeah. I'm Googling. He's supposed to do another show, I think, called The Hanson versus Predator. Oh, that's, ooh. I think maybe he's already doing that. I'm, I think he might have been doing that since last year, perhaps. That's like Alien versus Predator. Right. And <laughs> is there a new Alien movie, by the way? There's a new Predator movie. Is it shit? The trailer, it comes out in September. The trailer's crap, but there's rumors there's Arnold whispers. Might come out at the end. Ah, a little cameo from our friend Arnold. From Dutch, yes. <laughs> ah. Yes. 
Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> very interesting. Very interesting indeed. The last one was just god awful. Uh, Predators? The other. Alien versus Predator? Was it, is that what it was called? The last movie of, with what's his face? The one, that one actor. Um, AD, Adrian Brody. Right. That, that, that hack. <laughs> that was, that was not bad. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I actually liked it. He wasn't believable to me. Well, of course not. I couldn't buy it. You know, I, I li- don't get me wrong. I like him. I think he's a talented actor. I don't like him. You don't like him at all personally? Uh, he, no, because of that movie. Uh, what did he the do? Village. Oh my God. Did you have to bring up that abortion? It's not, that's not a bad movie. The village was awful. It wasn't that bad. How the hell can you like that? Look, we're disagreeing with stuff. You know, we don't have things in common. Just gonna punch you around the throat. I'm, uh, oh, I'm kidding. Daddy. <laughs> you, you know, you like throwing that word around for some reason. I know. I Where did that know. word originate from? Why did women start calling it's hot. other grown men daddy? Who started that? I don't know. I mean, but... I, it's been around for a long time, but it's really picked up in the last, what, year or so? Well, I could say it because I don't have a dad, so it's not weird for me. You're fatherless? I mean, I have one, but he's, he's no good. He's, he's, he was MIA. Yeah. He's, yeah. I hear you. Don't worry. Dark times, dark times. Dark, dark times. Yeah. But, um, I like saying it. It's hot. Daddy. You're into that. It's kind of like joke me, like choke me. Well, you know, that's different though. I know, but it's hot. That's a fun, that's a fun activity there. Really? In the, in the, in the chat, they're saying that daddy is hot. Well, that's good. And they're saying that you're daddy. Oh boy. I'm reading it right now. Oh boy. <laughs> My goodness. Um, by the way, what's going on in Florida? Since you are the Florida correspondent, anything in the news that you, um, read? I know about a couple hours back, I recall seeing some sort of article about, uh, some marauder that tried to kill a puppy three different ways. Oh God, that's horrible. Yeah, Florida teenagers behind bars accused of unspeakable crimes against an animal. That is terrible. What we a do. Piece we of, have some you know, um, psychopaths here that hurt animals sometimes. Really, I know that's the worst thing. People who yeah, there was a guy. Who, I mean, there was a kid a few years ago that would kill cats mm. and like hang them. Oh no. Like, yeah, we got some crazy people. You really do. Florida is nuts. But then again, I'm in California, so. The crazy is over here on this side of the island as well. So we're both from crazy places. We're both from places that are just insane. Yes. I just, it's, it's ridiculous. And of course you have the whole, um, opioid thing going on over there too. Yes. If I recall. See, I'm, I'm trying to keep a little, um, up to date with what's going on in Florida. See? Really? You have like a little diary? Well, I kind of do sometimes. I mean, this, it, it wouldn't be a show without talking about Florida. Oh, I see. Did you ever talk about the, the vape pen that exploded and like? There's another one? Yeah, like someone died from vape. Really? Where in Florida? Like it exploded? Of course. Well, oh, yeah, now I'm seeing it. A Florida now. man. Great. Yeah. Holy shit though. It pierced Florida man's cranium, killing him. Yep. Wow. It's kind of sad, but it was unregulated brand. It was like, it was, it was a, a bootleg. Maybe he deserved it for vaping. I mean, vaping is kind of annoying. Vaping is kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say the word, but you know. Yeah. You know, come on now. <laughs> come on now. Yeah. You're going to walk around with a little, a vape pen and a little, um, 
a little jar of liquid and you're going to just refill it. I mean, you look like an idiot. Well, and then there's flavors like cotton candy. Oh my God. And, I know. Yeah. I know. It's, when I, when I've gone to the mall, I'm always seeing, you know, younger kids outside vaping. And of course it's so, so weird. And it's expensive. Like it's an expensive habit. Like, I think, I think, I think it's just a waste. It's just a waste of money. Yeah. There's other things you could do that are more effective. I agree. But that's another story. Yeah. Good For Lord. For another night. Another, right. Yeah. For another goddamn night. But yeah, vaping, it's just, the hell wants to do that? I don't know. It's ducci. It's, it's just, it's no good. It's no good. It's like Amy Schumer. It's no good. Oh, oh God. <laughs> it's just, it's not good. It's not good. You know, it's not good. Would you ever see her movies? <sighs> hell no. What would someone have to pay you to watch? I, I would have to first be drunk. Okay. It's the same way I view getting on an airplane. I can't okay. do it sober. Okay, that's fine. Can't fly sober, but I, I will fly. Would you but watch I need a drink. it on an airplane? <laughs> if I'm drinking and I had no choice, yeah, I would have to force myself and regret it later like Amy Schumer's husband. And oh. did I have to say that? Did I really have to say that again? Well, he gave her a UTI. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's true. And yeah. He, and he's probably going to give her diabetes because he is like a chef. Oh, and he feeds her? And he feeds her. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Isn't that ironic? Miss Piggy? You, you are mean, but he probably does feed her. She probably, uh, sleep eats like she eats during her, like while she's sleeping. Like a filthy pig. <laughs> oh God. She's eating on the bed like a pig, like that gif. Yeah, the one with the cookie. With the cook, yeah, and, and eating in bed. Yeah. Good lord, Amy Schumer. Mhm. I, I just I don't even know what what went through her head to say. You know, this is a great idea. I'm going to post this photo of me, a selfie of me in the hospital. I'm going to just share she it with felt, the world. She felt pretty. The world I, really needed to see that shit, huh? No, that was terrible. <laughs> she didn't even know, like she didn't even try. Oh my god. <laughs> It's just, it's awful. I, 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 she stinks. All right. She stinks. Let, let's just put this, let's just put an end to it. It's just, it's, it's over. Yeah. I'm hoping her career tanks even further. Well, I heard that they weren't going to give her any more movies anymore. Thank God. Yeah. Finally, a, a voice of reason. Yeah. Oh my God. You know what? I, I just remembered something and I'm, I'm so sad, but I need to, I need to bring this up. Okay. Whew. This is a little bit embarrassing. Police. Uh oh. Yes, police say a man crawled through a dog door of an, an Alexandria, Alexandria home, rather, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was, that's the name of the police department that charged a man entering several homes, including one where he gained entrance through a dog door. And he was wandering the house, mumbling to himself. So he went through the doggy door? Yeah. And you know who this man is? Who? His name is Bull Taylor, also known as One Man Army. He's a guy who has been on this program before. Oh. And he, he's basic, well, he was a, an MMA fighter at one time. Okay. Over in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he was pretty, he's pretty damn good actually. And he fought Forgot how many times he's fought. Not too many times, but he actually has an undefeated um, record. And he's legit. He's actually really good at one time. 
And this guy was like a, like an infamous troll. However, he landed himself onto TMZ one day after he trolled another fighter named Kimo. He said that Kimo had died and TMZ for some reason picked up on the story and they didn't really like fact check for some reason. Oh wow, that's awful. Yeah. And this guy ended up on TMZ and he also got arrested, I think maybe like a day or two after he ended up on TMZ and his mugshot was like everywhere. It, it was really insane. It was way back in 2009, I believe. Might have been 2009. Hmm. But yeah, Bull Taylor. And this incident happened a couple months ago. Sounds like something out of Florida. It, it really does. But yeah. goddamn, he really just fell off. And, you know, I had randomly thought about this guy thinking, where, where the hell is Bull? Because he, he's so funny. This is probably one of the funniest people I've ever interacted with. He's so goddamn funny. And to see him like this, it's really sad. It really, it really made me feel sad, like legit. And I normally don't get that way. Yeah, you, you normally don't have any feeling. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I was just kidding. Right in the feels. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> right, but yeah, you know, he's had issues with um drugs and alcohol. So what's his name? It's it's Bull Taylor? Bo Taylor. Oh, Bo. Yeah, Bo okay. Taylor. Mm-hmm. Look okay. him up if you want, folks. And uh, yeah, he went with the online name One Man Army and uh, infamous troll. A lot of folks knew him. There's lots of photos of him on the internet. Great guy. It's just, it sucks to see him spiral out of control. That Bo Taylor, once again, funniest guy I've ever interacted with in my entire life. And I'm just, it, it sucks to see that. You felt it. I felt it. You know, he got, tell. he got so drunk. He's probably on pills. Who knows? And he's going through doggy doors. Yeah. That's when you hit rock bottom. Holy shit. Yeah. And I wanted to, I, you know, literally just a month ago, I wanted to call him and ask if he's all right. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at, at pictures of him. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a wild bastard. Yeah. Believe me, he is pretty crazy. Right up my alley, right? Yeah. I mean, you I know, wasn't going to say it, but you know, we would, <laughs> you know why we get along, right? Well, yeah, it would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> We're not that far from each other in terms of, uh, our online. <laughs> Prowless. You're a troll, right? Uh, in many places. Yeah. Way okay. before, yes. Yeah, started way back in AOL. Oh, those AOL chat rooms. Oh, gee, yeah. Yeah. Telling the um Christians um that I was molested. Oh my God. I know. Isn't that awful? Wow. Yeah. I mean, even way back then, I was just awful. You started young. I started young. Yeah. That's what happens though. You get on the internet and you just sort of inherit this sort of autism for some odd reason were you not hugged no i was i had a normal childhood yeah it's just i i like joking i like causing a little bit of trouble you know i i enjoy um acting like a little bit of a rattlesnake as i like to say on the show yeah 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 i like to cause a little bit of trouble every now and then that's that's just the way i've always been that's good yeah it makes it fun but keep it interesting. I keep it real. And Vanessa, you know, it's always a blast to talk to you, but I'm looking at the time and my For God, sure. it's already midnight here. And it's 3 a.m. here. God damn. The, the God passion, damn. the, uh, the determination, you know, I admire you a lot for staying up with me here. Anytime, baby. Oh, righty. 
Alrighty then. And uh, you look lovely in your picture. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm liking the eyeshadow and the background and, uh, you know, the whole package. <laughs> oh, the whole package? The whole top talent. Oh, I, okay, yeah. Indeed. We're both, yeah, we're both a top talent. We, we really are. We, we both are tremendous top talent. And once again, Vanessa, I really do appreciate you greatly, especially as, um, Someone who conducts this program and talks to all sorts of different individuals um, from all over the place. Even off air, I talk to all sorts of random callers um, if they catch me on a good day. But you, of course, are the Florida correspondent. And for that, you always have a place in my heart. Oh, thank you. Wow, that got really, that you got sweet. It got, it got sweet all of a sudden, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm blushing. I'm never that way. Oh, oh, daddy. And there okay, it is. I'll stop. Oh, okay, Vanessa. Thanks <laughs> for being a part of the program and I'll see you on the flip side. All right. Thank you. All right. Mahalo. Good night. Bye. And there goes Vanessa. It's been a fun show here, right, folks? Always remember if you have any funny impersonations of myself or other listeners, you could send that in at michaelendofdays at gmail.com. Or if you have any comments or concerns, any other question, perhaps? I'd like to hear it. Don't be afraid. Drop me a line. Of course, if you are listening to this on a replay, keep in mind, you can listen live every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Time on the TuneIn Radio app. And of course, if you enjoyed this program, you can go to michaeldeacon.com and help fund this program. As usual, I bow my head. And respect to all of you out there listening. It's always an honor and pleasure to be here before all of you. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. Just for what it's worth, I want to put in my defense for one of the most incredibly well-rounded shows. Success. Flawless victory.